if you ain't English speaking number one Oof. and you ain't Western, Oof. it's it's really Oof. quiet for you. Because French, let's talk about Oof. France. Let's talk about France. <laughs> let's talk a- wait, let's talk about France real quick. Yes. And let's talk about yes. let's talk about how yes. black artists, black artists, black artists in France are leading the sales. Let's talk about it. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Like The Stands. You're here today with your host Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Shopper. And it is season five, episode 11. So we've got three more episodes left for the season. And today's episode features an interview with Shanice Shaway, who is an artist relations manager at YouTube Music. And we're going to talk about all things to do with um, streaming, to do with being a black woman in the music industry and everything. So hope you enjoy the episode. Just to remind you, as at the end of the episode, we're going to get through the music and the news first. Cool. Nick and Chope, how are you doing today? Um, I'm good. Like, I know I always mention the weather, like, sound like a true Brit, but it is sunny today and I'm really happy about that. We've just entered lockdown just for, like, international um, listeners and stuff. So it's, like, day two. Um, So it's our first yeah. actual weekend inside. So I don't know how that's going to feel compared to everything else. Um, But in terms of this week as well, I was just telling Eden before, the, before we started, like, it's just felt like a elongated week. And that has been primarily, I don't want to send to the US, but like because of this election, because of it just being a global thing, like with the blurring of lines of social media and stuff, it's just made it feel so interconnected. So it's felt like an extra two days of this week have been there, um, just just placed in this week for some reason. But um, yeah, like I managed to get a cover story out this week with paper, which was dope. Like it got it got received quite well, and like it was with Misa Hilton who styled her. Um, so that that was a surprise to me. I didn't know about that, like the styling. And if you don't know who Misa is, she's an iconic stylist in the realm of um, hip hop and fashion at at large. And she styled like Missy Elliott, Little Kim, and stuff like that. So it was just great to see it. Um, if you guys do want to check that out, that interview is on paper and it's with Flo Millie, who I've spoken about on here before. Um, so I'm really happy that's done. Like it's, it was a huge project this year, um, going on since August. So I'm just happy that that is done and dusted and came out to, to a great, like, I'm proud of it, if that makes sense. So, um, I'm just happy. And now moving forward, I'm trying to close down the year, but yeah, that is how I am. How is everyone else's week? Did it feel long to you? I don't know if it was just me, but um, did the election week feel long to you? I don't know. How is everyone? How's shopping, PR? How's Eden and publishing and everything? Shopping? I'm fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's been an anxious week for me this week um, because of the elections and everything else that's going on. Nick, you've just touched on it, but just, yeah. The election was Tuesday and it's Saturday and it's still going on. So that is just very, very exhausting. Um, But yeah, I've been an anxious mess. Luckily, I had therapy yesterday um, and just trying to bounce back, really. So that is me and that has been my week. Um, I just wanted to ask a very quick question to you guys because I know we don't have a lot of time, Mm -hmm. but I just wanted to talk about it. But um, there's been a lot of conversation 
on um, Twitter and social media at the moment about Clubhouse. So if you haven't heard of Clubhouse, it is a it's a private members app essentially for people within different industries or is it just the music industry, Nick? Um, I w- Do you know what it is? It's actually not a private members. It's only in private membership now because oh, it's of in beta. beta. Like I think yeah, it's in beta mode. that's how people are trying to treat it now in the industry and stuff. But yeah, it is. Um, it's not just for music industry. It was actually started by venture capitalists and like tech people were in the industry at first. Um, and okay. then slowly the invites made their way to like, media entertainment etc so that yeah that is the context of it okay Uh, and you've been using it like how has it been like what is it about because i think people have been asking this question lately i've seen a few more people get onto it but how has it been for you yeah like um so i've been using it for a couple of weeks shoppes on the app now um and i saw him in an rmv conversation which i knew he would be a part of um called uh what is it they have the range um <laughs> which was funny to see Shof- i was like janet Shofe, come on like obviously so and I'm that gonna... conversation went on to so many different directions it, like, and it the- always does when that in that chat like it always is hours like you won't go into that just with a straight hour conversation like it always goes on but i'm by I'm the time it to... ended we was talking about like johnny gill and bobby brown and i mean i'll see it for it either way but yeah 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 um how have i found it basically um i'll explain what the app is uh it is like a voice only a shop here will know as well voice only app you can only communicate via voice um you you're either in the audience or you are um on the panel which is like you speak and stuff like that and you can mute yourself all that kind of stuff um various different topics depending on who starts the conversation um from music to politics a lot of election talk this week to random topics parties nostalgia all sorts um how have i found it uh there's a lot of different opinions um i would say that it's very loud it's super loud like um you're it's super loud it's clicky like in some senses i will say like it's there's there's clicks and like some people will try and say a lot on the panel which i don't know if shoppe has um been privy to that part yet but like people will state their whole accolades on the panel when it's kind oh, of yeah, like that, that almost an... to the one that we were both on um with uh 21 savages manager yes yes yeah with tiffany haddish and stuff uh, yeah oh but, like, tiffany yeah <laughs> literally uh, we're gonna go to Chopin's thoughts as well because like yeah but with me I think that people especially with the celebrities because you can talk to like a Joe Budden you can talk to like a Scotty Beam you can talk to a Tiffany Haddish as we just said um and more people will join the app 21 Savage is very vocal on the app um but basically people will try and state their whole career they'll be like yeah when I was with 21 and da 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 we did this and all this kind of stuff and like yeah Joe I just want to say you're changing up the podcast and industry and it's so great and all this kind of stuff like that and it's like can we just stay on topic kind of thing like can we just talk about like artists and why they're not progressing or marketing or whatever whatever the topic is but there's a bit of a linkedin let's say that the linkedin effect on there but i'd say and rock nation brunch rock nation brunch yeah but like what i would say is find your tribe and that takes a couple of weeks obviously to get accustomed to and stuff like that but um, I'd say it's interesting to see. I think everyone should get the opportunity to see it if they want to be on the app. They should definitely get the opportunity to see it and experience it. And like, um, yeah, but I don't, is it perpetuating anything? Is it changing the game? Um, 
no, I don't think it's changing the game. It's just giving you access and proximity to more people either in your industry or proximity to celebrity for better or for better or worse or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, but the mystique around Clubhouse and all of that kind of stuff, I would just say just ask people to get on it if you want to be on it and stuff like that. And people will invite you when their invites get reloaded because they get reloaded every couple of weeks or whatever, um, based on how you use the app. Um and yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's as deep as people are making it out to be like in mm. terms of like, once you get on it, the mystique is kind of not gone, but like, it's just, it's like, oh, this is cool. Um, But I just say, don't take yourself too seriously on there, man. Like, honestly, just don't, as Shopee will know, just don't take yourself too seriously. Just have genuine conversations and like, don't force it. Like obviously networking, if an organic relationship builds, do that, but like, I just say don't force it. Like, there's no need to try and speak on the panel for 10 minutes and, like, I concur with what you said, but I'm going to try and shake the table and all this. Like, just, just relax. Like, relax. Just just have the conversations <laughs> that we have, like, on that part of just talk like you talk to your friends, like treat it as a group chat. Um, and don't speak too much. Don't try and get people in, in trouble on there. Like, don't be dropping names and back of house stories and, like, with this side, they stay with this and all this kind of like no one needs to do all of that like don't be messy like do you know what i mean like there's, there's but that's no kind of the appeal of though for some people because that's what i'm saying when i first signed on and it was like one in the morning <laughs> when i well i got like oh my i got my invite like earlier in the day and i was like oh, i'll do this tomorrow yeah but then the guy invited me like no you need to be on this now <laughs> kendrick kendrick lamar's manager told me i'm like oh okay fine let me see what's going on mm. then i just get there i, see, I hear tiffany screaming Tiffany um, just chatting <laughs> about her sex life. Well, she was in another chat chat about sex life as well. But. And then I, I can't lie, like, you know, when I saw all the names, I was like, oh wow, Punch is in here, Slaughterhouse is in here, like Joe Budden's in here. Okay, it's kind of it's kind of cool, you know. And I'm just like there listening. And there was some interesting nuggets. Nick was in there for like five minutes. I think he was going in and out of that one. Um there was some interesting things said. And even like the one I was in yesterday, like that wasn't like an industry thing, but yeah, I guess yeah, it was yeah. just kind of cool to like have a really in-depth discussion about with like-minded individuals who, you know, love R&B and singing the way I do. So like I was on there, for, I mean, I was doing other things, but I was listening in for like an hour and a half. And, mm. uh, so I th- and I was like, you know, a lot of really interesting things were said. And like I said, just, you know, like-minded individuals, like Marquis joined in for a bit, Daniel from yeah. Language joined for a bit. Hanya joined it for a bit. And yeah, it was cool. I don't see myself using it every day, personally. Mm, I think yeah, I, I can yeah. like, you know, jump in and out. And if someone, you know, pings me, oh, this conversation's happening right now, fair. And also, if we're in the UK, most of the interesting things happens like late in the night anyway, and I'm tired. So there's Honestly, that. that's <laughs> another thing. Like I was on till five talking about Drake and um the weekend's trajectories. Like in a different chat, I was just like, what is going on? here like you know what i mean but um as shoppe said yeah in and out definitely an in and out thing nowadays so my thing is i'm trying to figure out what makes it different to other social medias because if it's in beta at the moment Mm -hmm. and it and like not everyone's using it i'm trying to figure out what the difference is between um the access you have to celebrities like on other social media websites like on twitter for example where you see people have conversations about stuff um if clubhouse gets bigger and there are a lot more people in there who aren't, say, from the industry and are just spectators. Yeah. Will it become less personal? Will it become like a social media? Will it become like Twitter and Instagram or something like that? So that's why I thought it was a private membership app, mm. because I thought that would be its USP. Mm. 
that you would have to either work in the industry or know someone who works in the industry. Um, so I'm intrigued because it's like the first like voice centered well, social media website. It. So I guess that's the for now. Yeah. And the thing, but isn't that just for the beta? That is just for beta because you will, once it opens up, people will get their own access. So like, that's what people are conflating with. Oh, it's a private membership app and all that kind of stuff. But the thing for me is that's what everyone keeps is on everyone's mind. Why do you, um, what, I mean, what's going to happen when it opens up? Are celebrities going to still be on there? Are, but I personally don't care about like the celebrities being like, to be honest, like I think I'm kind of in that phase where I'm over it. Like the, the better chats for me and Shope will get to know this as well. Are the chats were, um, like he was in yesterday, literally the chats that are outside of that for me, like just mm. um, the closer, the smaller you know chats what? as well. But I think, as you said, I think everyone, the rhetoric that I've seen, sorry to cut you off, just the rhetoric I've seen on the app now is build your tribe mm. now so that when the others come in, we can just kind of have our private rooms and lock the rooms. Because there's a new update now where you can just lock the uh, room you can, okay. um, and yeah. stuff like that. But um, And only followers that you follow back can have access to that room, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But sorry, continue, continue, continue. No, I was just going to say, do you know what's probably going to change this when TMZ get on the app the shade room because, came on two weeks ago yeah <laughs> russell so on when th- when the media get on this app and they start listening to these conversations obviously you've let me know about the lock-in feature now which is great and everything but when they get on there and then they sign up as bobby one two three actually no you have to have your full name because i think you have to have your full name on there don't you um they they encourage that strongly yeah like you should have your yeah full name. so i just think it's going to be interesting i'm just i'm genuinely just interested because i've seen twitter introduce um a new um audio recording uh feature on the app recently and i haven't seen a lot of people use it um and instagram live is something that a lot more people are doing during lockdown and the pandemic is still around and stuff so i'm quite interested in how people are going to move to certain social medias i want to see what people kind of do on clubhouse and if it because there's all these conversations about getting rid of celebrity culture and i'm just questioning Mm. if the this proximity that people have to a lot of famous people like Joe Budden and like Punch, for example, like Chope said, and so many artist managers yeah. as well. I'm just, fi- I'm interested in the marketing. I'm interested in um, like the conversations that will be had on there. Or if it becomes like Chope said, um, Rock Nation brunch, like Twitter or rock, <laughs> or like a, a private event, essentially. So um, oh. yeah, I just wanted to get that because I think there's a lot of questions around what Clubhouse is. And um, I'm just really interested in how it operates. I hope it doesn't become something for like nepotism or something like that, but it's just really interesting. Eden, so thank you both. Um, quickly before we get into listens, um, <laughs> I'm going to confirm one of actually two of two things for you. One, people are using it for nepotism 110%. Oh, and like, let's connect off of here. Like I've literally got DMs like, great chat and clubhouse, let's do this. And it's just like, all right, like we didn't even speak in the, that room. But then number <laughs> two is like the proximity to celebrity. As I said in the beginning, and Chope probably heard this in the bigger chat when he first got on, people would be like, just to echo what Punch said, like I really enjoyed what he said. Like I just think that he's a visionary and changing the culture. Oh, and, like, yeah. All those there's intros. Of, there's, like, there's a lot of sucking dick on there. Yes. Chope's seen it in, in 48 hours. So, you know, do you know what I mean? Like he'll he'll continue to see that. And especially with the, you're an A&R that's changing the game. Like, and all this And kind when Jarrell stuff. started talking, I literally was just thinking about the Dave Chappelle thing. Like who gives a fuck what Jarrell has to say? <laughs> 
Oh boy. I don't even but remember yes, what, um, what the conversation was. But I just remember I saw Jaro was in there. I was like, okay, he started speaking like, okay, you didn't add anything to the conversation. You just wanted to speak. Mm, Shopee, if you see if you see Sean Garrett in the chat, just walk away. Oh, That's all I'm gonna oh, tell you now. Just walk away. Know. If you see I it, already just, know. you know. I just already walk know. away. Yeah. I already know. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, cool. We don't have long, so let's just go straight into the listening section. So Shopee, let's do, it. do your thing, man. So I have two today. Um, today we have Wizkid and Ariana Grande. So Ooh. who am I going to start with right now? <laughs> you know, I'm going to start with my country man. So uh, last week he dropped his latest album, Made in Lagos, which was delayed for, I guess, <laughs> some would say three years, two years, whatever. It was a long, a long time in the making, and I believe it was supposed to come out in October to the point where the Guardian already ran their review, but then it was pulled back at the very last second because of the ongoing uh, instability in Nigeria right now. Um, anyway, he dropped that hit the album last week and I just don't really know what to say really. Like it's just a, a damn good album. It's infectious. Mm. It's like a comforting listen. It's warm. It's captivating. Like it's very melodic, very cohesive. Mm-hmm. And I really like that just how, in comparison to his last album, I think Nick may agree that I kind of feel that his last album was what happened to Burner Boy this year. Like, it was his mm. album, like, okay, well, Afrobeat's starting to pop now. White people like me now. America's like me now. Let me try and jump on every different sound and genre and just kind of, you know, rescind the, my uniqueness. That's what I thought happened with Burner Boy's current album. And I thought that was Wizkid's last album. I don't say it was bad, but it was just very much like, I'm trying to go pop. I'm trying to go mainstream. I'm trying to be a, you know, you know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. I hear yeah. you. I hear you. Whereas this one, I just feel like it was just like back to basics. And don't not say that there is still like, you know, experimentation here, but it's ones that make sense. So like, there's quite a bit of reggae influences here. There's mm-hmm. some Latin American vibes, like some Afro jazz, some R&B, some Orte. I just feel like it is kind of like a return to form. And it's just kind of like, no longer really trying to like, I guess, uh, make himself ubiquitous to all types of people. It's like, he's kind of reminding you, this is why he likes me in the first place. Yes, I'm still going to grow a little bit as an artist and, you know, you know, evolve sonically, but it's, you know, it's, this is me. This is who I am. And that's kind of where Phil Burner is at right now. He's just trying to be like with everybody doing Chris Martin, doing Stormzy, doing the, the obvious things. And, you know, and it's, you know, unfortunately at the sake of quality. But anyway, back enough of him. I really, 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 really enjoy this album. Like I've played it every day this week. It's just, and it kind of makes me sad that, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to, I mean, well, we'll see how people take this, how seriously people take this lockdown. Anywho, um, I would like to go to like, you know, a, like an, a mini house party or someone's house and just vibe and chill or whatever. Because these songs are just made for that kind of vibe. They're just made for that vibe. And the features here are so great. Tewa, Thames, Damien Marley. LMA, her. Also, shout out to Jules. He shout, he actually produced my favorite song in here uh, with, with Taylor. Actually, no, sorry. My favorite song is probably the Damon Marley song. Um, mm. <laughs> that song is a tune. <laughs> I love that I'm song. Dead. Blessed. That is a song. Also, him and Skepta, they have, I said on, on the Twitter um, two weeks ago, they have great chemistry. Every song they, they do. go together bangs. They do. Energy, this one long time on the album, and Glow in the Dark from one of other albums. Every song they do together bangs. You know, I, you know what? They see each other. As I said earlier about Kendrick and BJ need to do a joint album one day. You know what, Skepta and Wiz, you know, I might not be opposed to a joint EP, a joint something. Um, 
Yeah, no, I don't really have to say really. Like, I just think it's a a really, really, really good album, and it might it might end up being one of my favorite albums um of the year. I it gets wow. better with each listen. I really, really have enjoyed. I really enjoyed it. Maybe it's because I guess where I'm at right now, you know, things are slowing down. I, just, I get I, like it's just an easy listen. Not to say that, and I feel like that's kind of hard nowadays. I feel like you kind of have to really like focus and figure out why things are good, or I like, really decipher like, oh, but they did this, did that. Whereas this is just like just put it on, press play, vibe. Yeah, you know. And um, yeah, like I said, and all the features really complemented each song. Like, even the song with her, I didn't really care for that before the album came out, but in the context of the album, it does sound really good. But my favorite songs are, I mean, too many to name, but Mighty Wine, True Love. Uh, essence. Thames is a star. Just I'm gonna say that too. She's she is. She's yep. a, 100%. Oh, she's coming. She's coming uh, for everything. And gyrate. That's probably yeah. A, a long time. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a really good album. So I definitely recommend that, guys. Um, secondly, we're gonna go to Ariana Grande's new album, Positions. Now, hmm. So I will start. I will start off by saying that you know because I, I when I when I I tweeted a few things when it came out. And, you know, some of those I probably will retract because, you know, it had just come out. So, <laughs> I, and I have said a few times that I just did not, as much as I love her, I'm a fan, I did not want a new album from her this soon. I think it's just like, I need, like like with Chris Brown and Drake, I need you to go away for a bit. You're at the point in your career where you can afford to go away for a bit and your fans will still be here. So, I didn't really want Ariana to come back to like next summer at the earliest. But when I saw, oh, and well, not even heard. Obviously, she's also an, a client where I work. So I heard the internal musings for a while anyway that she was coming back from my line manager and my boss and other things like that. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I was like, really? Is it? Do we really need an album now? Like, you're already, you, you've had such a great two and a half years. Like, just, and you can't tour anyway. So just take a break. But anywho, whatever. So I heard the single positions and I was like this is cool I'm like it's giving me thank you next re-release though like it's cool like but it's not really showing me anything different about perfect before and then when I heard the album I was like and I said like it's not bad at all like it's a solid album but it just kind of proved what I already knew that you're still clearly musically in the same place you were with your last two albums and it just kind of was like we're not really getting anything new here like it's not bad by any means there are some great songs on here but I just felt like you know you know it just kind of proved like yeah you probably should have just you know sat, sat this year out you know you know enjoyed quarantine with your boyfriend you know whatever <laughs> but anywho but you know obviously now give it's now it's been a week my mind has changed i still think she should have gone away i still think she should have left us alone and that i will say there are definitely some fillers on here and there are some moments of indistinctness that for sure but the strong songs are really strong and that's kind of why it makes me sad because it's like you know if you just took your time a little bit you know, recorded more, live life a bit more, did what more. Like, this could have been a really good album. And that's what I think it is. Like, this is a good album, but it could have been a lot better. That's why I'll say it. It's a good album, but it could have been a lot better. And also, I'd like to debunk this theory that she's suddenly making R&B music when, from her first album, there's been R&B through all her albums. Like, I don't know where this narrative came from today that, oh, everyone's making R&B now. Like, it's always, it's always been there. What I will say, though, is that probably more than most her albums, especially, especially in recent years, this is probably her most consistently R&B, I guess. I guess in the past, you know, it's always there, but she always will have the pop song. She'll have, you know, the commercial song because, you know, she's a pop star. But I guess there's a more consistent R&B vibe throughout the project. Like she even samples like a Leah on here. 
there's elements of like soul music here, which are really cool. And I really do like, another thing I will say about her is that in spite of everything and how I feel about her not needing to make another album so soon, I really appreciate that. It's not really discussed enough that she actually does at this point have her own sound sonically compared to a lot of these other pop stars. Like she definitely has like a sound that is hers, that has really been molded and formed well with her songwriting team, everything like that. Like, cause one thing that's kind of been uh, a common thread is like this, this really penchant for like Broadway-esque 60s doo-wop kind of vibe throughout all her albums. And it's kind of really honed in a lot here, but it's more mature, it's more adult. And it's like, I really get a sense that you're a grown woman now rather than, you know, fresh up in Nickelodeon days. I actually wrote some notes. What did I say about this? Um, Also, I do like, it's like very, like, you know, her last two albums were emotionally heavy. Like, you know, they were both released after, you know, tragic things in her life. Whereas this kind of, you know, this is just kind of like, it's just kind of fun. It's kind of carefree and you kind of can enjoy that. And also what I've loved is that not, she was singing on this album, something that she wasn't, hadn't redone really it in a while because I really don't feel like she takes advantage of the fact that she can sing better than most of these hosts today because none of the new girls can sing. Halsey, Selena, I don't know who you are, but you can't sing. Um, who else? I don't, who, who, I don't even know who these young girls are today, but you can't sing. Um, <laughs> and I kind of feel that Ariana, like, not that she kind of holds back, but I guess, you know, to kind of make her do with the current trends that she doesn't really sing, sing. But some song goes like, this is what I wanted from you. Sing! Sing! So the song one day with The Weeknd called, called Off The Table, my girl was going off! I was like, oh, all right, give it to me. However, your duet partner was not doing the same. The weekend, you you were not vocally the right match for that song. And I said it on the Twitter account, I would have rathered someone like a, a Ty Dolla Sign or an Usher. In an ideal world, it would have been a Tank or a Joe, but obviously that's too black for Ariana, too black for Republic, too black for Scooter Braun. But really, that would have been the thing. Tank or Joe or Case would have killed that shit. They would have killed this song. It kind of reminds me of... Jojo's duo of Tank, somebody else from his last album. That's the vibe I was getting. And then The weekend was just there whimpering. It's like, this is not the vibe. Like, Ariana is, is giving us vocals right now. Weekend's just whimpering. And Weekend's just doing, like, his little come down. I've just come down from five gowns of MD. I don't know. It's just, it just, no. And also, the features were quite quite misplaced. So, like, Tadola Sons on another song called Safety Net, which is, okay, it's not one of the best songs, but it's all right. <laughs> I would have rather the weekend on that song. <laughs> I would have rather him on that song. And I said that this is what happens when you rush an album out and you don't take time to properly create and actually produce an album. So I'm and I'm aware that I'm probably sounding somewhat negative, but I'm gonna reiterate this is a good album. It's a good album. People who were saying it's shit are lying. It's a good album, but it could have been better. And I could have been better if she just waited and took her time. But I definitely have played quite a few songs quite a lot these last week. So let me go to the track listing. And it just kind of reaffirms why she's the only pop girl that I care for. She's the only one that I care for. So Off the Table, love that song. 34 plus 35, great song. West Side, I love, love, love that song. Love Language, POV, that should be a single, actually. That's got a really nice, that's a really strong ballad. Like, I can say, like, winning Grammys one day. Like, that's a that's a strong single. Like, if they have sense, they'll make that a single at some point in the next year or so. But no, it's a good album. But like I said, there are some moments which are quite indistinct, somewhat forgettable. There are some filler on there. And I feel like the the best songs here could have made an EP <laughs> or a re-release of her last album. Or 
she should have waited further along so she had more songs because I do believe she recorded all of this <clears> this year. Um, and it just, she just didn't need to. But I do appreciate that it kind of is like, you know, it's fun. It's lighthearted, it's carefree. It's not take yourself too seriously because like I said, her last two albums were quite, you know, emotionally drawn, you know. And um, yeah, that is it. So Ariana Wizkid, that's me. Cool. Um, for me, I don't have a lot of listens this week. I only have one song. And it is a song by, I think it's a group called Down to Mars, and it's called The Loneliest Number. Um, and this song was something that I just randomly came across. I actually can't remember how I found it. I think it was actually through Vero or something like that. But I was looking for something just to kind of get through the day, just something to vibe to. Um, and I found it. And it features um, something called a talking box. So if you guys know about autotune, it's very similar to that, although it's not exactly the same thing. Um, I'm trying to think of someone who uses it quite a lot, but maybe Zap and Roger. I don't know if you guys oh, know wow. the song "I Want to Be Your Man." Come on, Zap. That, yeah, that. So you might Roger know Roger Troutman, the um, legend. Exactly. Um, so this song is just very cool, man. Like that's the best way I can describe it. It's just a very cool listen, um, and it's just about love, and it's just very chill. I would definitely recommend it to anyone who's looking for some peace during the second lockdown. Um, I've only been listening to chill hop and occasionally some rap recently, um, just to call my mood. So yeah, check it out if you can. It is called The Loneliest Number by Down to Mars. I'm actually going to give one more, um, which is another chill hips, chill hop song, sorry, called Bliss. And it's by Misha and it features someone called Jussie Halm. Um, check it out. It's a very, very chilled listen. I actually meditate to it. So, um, when you have the chance, take a listen and let us know what you think at D-A-T-S-P-O-D. Cool. Nick? Um, I'll give one listen for the week just because of timing and everything, but it's a project. Um, I just want to shout out like Jamaica right now because there are so many creatives um, just doing the damn thing in terms of like really becoming international with their audiences and um, pushing the culture forward in terms of um, how they mix their different palettes and different sounds to a contemporary audience. Me and Eden have shouted out Beam before, who is literally, when he when he gets his moment, he will just be the epitome of a genre blender, like dancehall, trap, yep. bits of um, reggae in there as well, like melodically. Um, yeah, absolutely a star. And he's done work for Travis Scott. So like literally the sonic direction is there. Um, but yeah, Beam is not who I'm talking about today. I'm just shouting him out because he's someone who does it well. Um, also going to shout out Jimmy October, um, who's been around for ages, but um, I think he's coming back now single wise. He does R&B mixed in with a bit of dance hall as well, which is dope. Um, and I think his offering's good. And another one I'm going to shout out is Stork Ashley, who just collaborated with Western um, in the summer. And I think she released I one love of- Stork Ashley. I love her to bits. Like she is magical. She is beautiful. Like in terms of her, her music is just so majestic um in terms of the visuals she has released some of the best visuals throughout this quarantine period i have ever seen from an artist um this whole year um so you need to give her a listen as well deserted is the song with western um and i believe she's got a new song out as well with the the most beautiful visual if i can remember the song i will give it to you at the end of this commentary but someone who i'm going to speak about is someone who signed partially to rca her name is lila Ike, and she she released the experience earlier this She's year really and dope. it is 
She's beautiful. She's dope. It is a seven track, 26 minute EP. And honestly, when I say one word is cathartic, like it's healing. This is where you burn your incense. This is where you just sit on a Sunday morning. And I've given the analogy of Sunday mornings for like a lot of artists this season, like Rhapsody, for example. Um, but honestly, Lila Ike is just <laughs> the epitome of incredible. Like she sounds so mature for her young adolescent age. Um, and I believe that she is going to take new wave reggae into the contemporary mm. market. And she's mm. she's going to be a big star. She is a flourishing star. Mm. Um, if you see the coffee breakthrough moment, I feel like Lila Ike is next in line. Um, slightly different sonic offerings, but I just mean in terms of breakthrough artists. Um, her and Stork Ashley are next up, in my opinion, for that international moment. If you see Stork Ashley, her label are deliberately trying to build an audience in the UK, which I can deliberately see happening. Um, and I, I believe it will work. I just wish, obviously, summer season was here. She could have performed at Carnival. She could have done all of this. Would have been beautiful. But um, yes, back to Lila Ike. I think that um, one of my favourite songs on here is I Spy. It just reminds me of Bob Marley. And I know that's so stereotypical, but it reminds me of the Marleys, just that core sound. Um, just how they have really been able to kind of hold their mark in that that reggae kind of um, canon. And like even Damien and all of this, they've been able to extend that legacy. And I think Lila fits in here. Don't forget Stephen. He's the underrated one. Stephen's dope too. Stephen's dope too. Stephen's the underrated of one. Of course, I was just talking about Damien in terms of like his him being able to like still feature with quite huge artists and still carry the arc of it as well. But I, I completely agree with you in terms of um, Stephen is truly underrated as well. I think all of that, ta all of that family, the talent runs through their veins, if that makes sense. Like the lineage, the what they learn from from Bob is always going to be continued and they're, they're distinct. That's the thing as well. It's not copycat. It's like they're very distinct in how they approach the canon of that, that music genre. But um, I think I can definitely see um, Lila collaborating with all of them, if not at least Damien. But um, honestly, this single features no one. And I love projects like that, especially when someone's um, building their, their own name and presence and stuff. This is such an easy listen. Um, I Spy has its own visual as well, such as, for, um, as well as Forget Me. Um, and now I believe that Lila has done some live performances as well on YouTube. Um, so like with a, a plethora of platforms, but I cannot remember which ones, but you know, all this, the run of the mill kind of platforms that I'm talking about. But um, she was beautiful on it from what I watched. This was a couple of months ago, but I just went back to this EP, particularly this week because I needed that kind of relaxation. As Shopee said earlier, easier listens as we get towards the end of the year. But this EP is a, a gem, a gem, an absolute gem. And I would, I definitely recommend it on to listen to ASAP because if you want a taste of what's going on in Jamaica and the reggae circuit, this is what you need to listen to um, to get you acquainted. But um, beautiful project, beautiful girl and beautiful future. I see it. I see everything for her. Do you know, that's a conversation we need to have. <clears throat> we need to talk about Jamaica at some point. Um and interview someone who kind of we need to interview Shereen. I was going to say the Shireen same thing. Needs yeah. to get on here. She's going to kill it. Like she knows everything. We're getting Shereen on here next season. Like that's it. It's done. Okay. It's done. Okay. Um, I've I've learned so much from reading her articles. Yes. I've learned so much from reading yeah. her. What's her app? She's amazing. Uh, Shereen. Let me get it. Shereen. I feel like it's underscore Shereen something. It, no, it's S H H A 
R-I-N-E. If you just search Shireen Taylor, she'll come up. She's verified and everything. She is the mouthpiece for Jamaica right now. Um, I love her. Love her to bits. Like, she will be on next season. I will get her on. Um, yeah, Shireen, Shireen. As Chope said as well, Shireen is just... Oh, such a voice. So necessary. So important. But um, we are on a time lock right now. We need to get into these articles. News, 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 news. Let's get into the first one. Um, so Little Nas X, we're going to extend our conversation about Halloween to November. So basically, Little Nas X had some words for 50 Cent and Dave East for jokes about um, his Nicki Minaj costume. If you didn't see it, go to Instagram, go to his Twitter. He posted it, as all the celebrities did in terms of dressing up as various uh, characters, celebrities, whatever, for Halloween, whether they stayed in the house or went to Kendall Jenner's party. Um, So anyway. Hi, Doja. Yeah, Doja was at that these party, but um, yeah. So what happened here specifically, um, in the vein of Little Nas X, is he dressed up as Nicki Minaj, um, in Super Bass, so the Super Bass costume, um, and put the makeup on, did all of that, um, as he was a bub, and everyone knows, you know, Nas Mirage. We all we all know the history. Just search it, you'll know that he was a big, big stan of Nicki Minaj and still is to this extent um, in 2020. So um, he said, Nas Vember begins with Nicki um, Minaj inspired costumes. And this sparked controversy from, of course, 50 Cent um, and Dave East. So 50 Cent uh, captioned the pictures. He he reposted and captioned it on Twitter. I think it's still up on October 31st. Uh, eyes, the eye emojis are what the fuck, Nikki. Get the spelling Nikki wrong as well. N I K K I. Um, come get him, lol. Um, and yeah, let's move on <laughs> to um, what little Nas X responded because it's just like some of the comments under this is just a lot, but um. Basically, he said, "Why you in Barb business?" Um. Dave East's comments also came after this, like shortly after he took to Instagram um, stories. Uh, you know, when you do the black background and post a story, he posted that and he called him a uh, a slur in Patois, which was um, Batimon. Um, he put B-A-T-I-M-O-N, which you'll know, you'll just know it's a slur throughout the West Indies and in the UK, Toronto, wherever there's a Jamaican diaspora or West Indian that will be used as a slur or has been used as a slur. Um, And yeah, it it has links to homophobia, of course. Um, So the 21-year-old Little Nas X came back um, and he said it's Batiman. So he spelled it, uh, not properly, but the conventional way it's been spelled, which is B-A-T-T-Y-M-A-N. And he said, niggas can't even be homophobic the proper way. Shake my head, butchering the hell out of the patois. Um, Little Nas X then tweeted another message um, and telling people to leave him alone. Um, He said he doesn't bother a soul in the industry. All I do is tweet and make bangers, leave me alone. And that is it for this update so far so any thoughts on this we, we we've spoken about 50 cent i feel too many times this season i also want to go on i also want to mention that 
50 actually made some transphobic comments as well in relation to this. He actually made a collage on Instagram with... Oh, sorry, my article's not featured that, but go on, continue. Uh, he made a collage on Instagram with Lil Nas X, dressed up as Nikki, Nikki herself, and a trans <clears> woman <throat> who allegedly did Young Buck and said that Young Buck and Lil Nas X should make a love connection. So likening... Uh, Lil Nas X to a trans woman just because he was dating, he up just as because a woman, which there's nothing wrong with being a trans woman if you want to be, but like, obviously in 50s mind, he was like, that's the, that's the gutter, that's the ghetto. He likened it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, I yeah, thought, I, I thought that was, that was <coughs> just, just disgusting. I thought that was unnecessary. And it's just like, and we all, we all know this, um, you know, the, thank you for adding that context, by the way. We, we all know this, like none of this su- surprised me, but you know, two straight black men, you know, they're always going to speak out against LGBTQ people for no reason, even no one asked them to. It's just like, just mind your business, move along. And also, um, what's his name? What's Diddy's light skin son called? Quincy, Quincy. Quincy, yeah. He dressed up as Frida Kahlo and he got no, he got not, he got no mess, he got no shade, he got nothing. So why can't Lil Nas X be given the same grace? Is it because Lil X is actually gay? Is that why? Um, Eden. I, if, if that was an open question, I think it's more than that. I think there is a factor of that, but I think colorism plays a major factor into that. That's true. That's true. And I think also celebrity culture as well. I think um, the proximity to who exactly Quincy is um, in relation to Diddy. I think there's, 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 there's loads of factors there too, because no one's really, no one's going to really talk about um, the Jay-Z's of the world or the Diddy's. Because even thinking about, look, Jay-Z's relationship with Beyonce and the break, that this is really like going into a different area. But like even that whole Solange elevator moment and stuff in the industry, you didn't really as much see like, so many people critique it like did he go into so many memes and all this kind of stuff like that like wait let, let me finish my point oh sorry sorry, sorry 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 <laughs> go, go, go. um so when it comes to colorism um i think little nas x is getting way more attention than say quincy for example because there is this aspect of like dark skinned men being more macho being more masculine and anything that kind of threatens that whether it's femininity or um, the LGBTQIA um, community, black men are automatically just going to jump on it and be like, that isn't right. That isn't how it's supposed to be. Because with light-skinned men, there is this side of um, prettiness of um, femininity because of their closeness to um, white norms in the lightness of their skin or our skin. Um, so I, that's where I kind of see the issue. That's where I... And also... Like you said, like you were saying, Nick, the fact that Quincy is P. Diddy's son, that is another factor as well. It's like disrespecting another black man. That's why when, um, and this is it's different, but slightly connected. This is why when Kodak Black said something disrespectful to Lauren London, people were like, that is disrespectful to Nipsey, not to Lauren London. Because you think of the straight man in the equation and you forget about the person it's actually affecting who was the grieving um fiance or grieving partner of nipsey hustle and i make that point because um little nas x is in the industry by himself he doesn't have a straight person to defend them like say quincy would um like automatically 50 cent just attack little nas x because he's openly um he's openly gay he openly talks about the fact that um he is comfortable in that and obviously by doing something like this it's like you i think most men want gay men to be ashamed 
of yes, their identity and 100%. the fact that he's being so open and um, embracing a side of himself and that's not I'm not saying that all gay men want to dress as Nicki Minaj or anything like that I'm saying it's outside of the kind of um, straight it's normative norms yeah exactly and that is a threat to people like 50 Cent 50 Cent feels like it's an opportunity to capitalize on his own masculinity and that is an issue because mm. what that does is it actually mm. it creates more of an issue for um, black men to actually um, kind of hold themselves accountable in some areas because they're like, no matter what happens, I won't be gay. Like that's kind of the thinking behind most straight men's actions. It's like the worst thing in the world that a, a straight man could be from a homophobic is gay. And that's something that 50 Cent is perpetuating. Perpetuating. Um, so it's like it's expected 50 Cent said this it's something that he would say um, and I'm not surprised by this whatsoever he needs to focus on the fact that people are always going to remember him as the person who supported um, a man that was deporting um, children um, a sex trafficker and someone who um, wanted to become a dictator in the United States and arguably was one he needs to focus on that before he starts attacking people for living their lives um so yeah that's all i have to say on this really and davies you need to focus on making a breakthrough here that's what i'm and the thing is i got another point i gotta make very quickly just as a jamaican man when it comes to using jamaican culture no actually your your connection to jamaican culture shouldn't be the bad things that come from our culture oh yeah what did he say He's even go to Jamaica and play chronics or some shit because he's homophobic. Some something dumb like that. I just, I just honestly think there needs to be a lot more thought into the identity when it comes to Jamaica, um, and how we present it as Jamaicans. Um, being homophobic isn't part of the Jamaican identity. Using homophobic part language. Part of the culture, though. It is. Uh, you have to be honest. Nigeria too is the same. It's part of. I, I, I don't agree. I don't agree with that personally. Um, I think it's there's it's a complicated conversation about um religious views in Jamaica. No, um, I, I agree with you. It's not part of the identity, but unfortunately, Jamaica, other other African and Caribbean nations are homophobia is embedded in those cultures. Unfortunately. Oh, okay. I get what you mean. I thought you meant. Okay, I thought you meant. Something no, different. I'm not saying every Jamaican is a homophobe. But what I mean is that it's embedded in the culture of Jamaica. Yeah. It's embedded yeah. in the culture of many um, West Indian, Caribbean, and African nations. That's why. Yeah. I meant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that is true. Um, but it shouldn't be the first thing that people kind of connect to your heritage. And it just, I don't like when people do that for my culture. It doesn't represent my people well, even though, like Chope said, it is embedded in us deeply. Same as the West, by the way. I don't want the West to get away with this and act like they don't have oh, a homophobic no. we can, um, we can let's, culture. Let's evolve them too. Ex- exactly. The so I think Davies, like Chope said, he needs to make a dent in the music industry before he starts to kind of try to make himself an, an aggressor. I just feel like he's not in a position to actually talk out of pocket like this. I don't sure think isn't. anyone should, but his career isn't solid enough for him it to be sure moving this not. mad. So sure um, I, 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 I actually forgot. I actually forgot we were talking about Davies. And every time I want to say his name, I click a few times like, oh, that guy from New York. And like, I just do this a lot. And I'm like, oh, I can't remember his name. Like, who is that guy? He needs to work on that before he worries about Lil Nas X. So he needs to um, just model and keep quiet. I didn't even know he modeled. No, I, I, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, leave the music alone. <laughs> yeah. Leave the music alone, <laughs> rap and keep quiet. And model Ex- and keep quiet. That's what we exactly. need Exactly. Exactly. Nick, did you have any thoughts? Yeah. I think you guys basically gave us all the theory. Um, I definitely agree with you. I think that 
there's definitely a masculinity issue, a toxic masculinity issue, especially like in, um, uh, yeah, like how Dave Dave East kind of just went boom. Let me just put us on the story and all this kind of stuff, and then Fifty Cent's Fifty Cent, all the isms he's he's a part of in terms of being that like and the phobics and all this kind of stuff. I think um, the transphobic comment that Chopin added was particularly harmful i think just especially with the the murder rates and stuff and the the public opinion towards them this year um and and in all the years that have followed i'm just saying this year we've seen a bit more of a pivot in towards mainstream news with 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 trans incidents um in terms of assault deaths all of this um but it, that's been happening you know if you you followed along throughout the years um you know that that has been a consistent arc um in terms of them being on the 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 outside of society you know but i think that was a particularly ugly comment to kind of compound with all the other stuff that he had kind of said um but disappointing but i'm super happy um that little nas obviously stood his ground there and um Little Nas X, sorry, stood his ground there and kind of just didn't delete the picture, didn't uh, flinch, even if he did, which he shouldn't have to, like flinch on the inside and like to his friends and actual people that care about him. But um, I'm glad that he kept it up. I think it means something to keep it up and like to to keep it moving, to say your piece and keep it moving, you know, like um, I think it says something. It says something about where culture is moving forward. Um but it's interesting to me that um, I didn't see a lot of active uh, support from men and women like in the industry towards him. Like I didn't see a lot like in terms of the back and forth um, and like going at 50 and stuff like that, which obviously doesn't need to happen, but it's just interesting to me. But um, yeah, again, little Nas, um, I'm proud, proud that he continued to kind of move in his purpose and stuff. And yeah, I hope he continues to to express himself how he wants to express himself. You know, exactly how it is. It's Halloween. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's Halloween. <laughs> Literally, like, it's Halloween. Like, and even if it wasn't Halloween, like, it is what it is, man. Like, we've gone through the biggest shift in this year. And that's on your mind? Like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're, you're worried about the wrong things, all the wrong things. So on to our next topic. Um, the Grammy Awards are to rename the world music category to avoid connotations of colonialism. So this decision came this week. Um, essentially, the Grammys are changing best world music to best global music album to avoid connotations of colonialism. The Recording, recording Academy said that the change came as we continue to embrace a true global mindset over the summer we held discussions with artists ethnomusicologists and linguists from all around the world who determined that there was an opportunity to update the best world music album category towards a more relevant modern and inclusive term the change symbolizes a departure from the connotations of colonialism folk and non-american that the former term embodied while adapting to current listening trends and cultural evolution amongst the diverse communities it may represent so just a bit of context, world music was originally coined over here in the UK in 1987 to help market music from non-Western acts. The Grammys then in 1992 adopted this term um, and incorporated it into the albums categories with winners um, since including the likes of Ravi Shankar, um, Gilberto Gill, etc, um, etc. Et so... 
there's other changes that have happened this year which we have covered in last season i believe with um best progressive r&b album um replacing urban um contemporary um this category faced controversy and critique from the likes of Tyler, the creator, Lizzo, etc., etc. So this is going to be an interesting change. I'm intrigued to see how it affects things. Um, I know that some of the music industry community felt a way. Um, so Olive Uche at AudioMac, who I've spoken to for an interview before, she said that it doesn't mean anything, that the terms are interchangeable, um, global and world basically mean the same things if you google them so she doesn't really see the need for the change or doesn't see it as progressive I, I would say um but I wanted to move the chat into here and ask what you guys <laughs> as music enthusiasts um think about this and do you think it changes anything I, I think that the name doesn't make sense because <laughs> it's called best global music now so what is the yeah. so what are the American and British artists in the other categories are they not global are they not part of the global world <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's best global music but okay so if Katy Perry gets nominated is she not part of the globe listen it doesn't make sense no it doesn't and you know what it doesn't it make doesn't. and that's why it's so stupid because it's like even even in that there are still crumbs of colonialism in this award this award being a thing at this point you should just have them by by continent, maybe make a best African category, make maybe like a best. But even that, I don't it just know, perpetuates whatever, the lack of care that these these award bodies have for music that's non-Western. Like even best African, like do better, do the research and get the genres which are doing great on the continent. Yeah, and no, then of represent course. them in of that. Course. Like no, no, no. I know, Shab. I know you want the respect for the eye, Shab. This is at the Grammys. Like they have just given us crumb after crumb after crumb and i'm tired of it like i'm done i'm actually so done even the same way we critique our own shows like bet for some of the lackluster names for award categories this is rooted in colonialism you see western music you see the classicals you see the rocks you see all of this as better than the other genres and the, the genres that come from like the continent or the genres that even come from you know the latin americans they've been disrespected i know they've got a whole awards award ceremony now so that's you know a bit different but still the hierarchy is still there and we can you're telling on yourself essentially you are telling on yourself too lazy to get the musicologist to do the research for you to it's not even hard to know what the best genres in 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 the on the continent are right now both on the, the south african side and then on the west african side and then east like less less really see what's going on here and represent it on a level if it's penetrated on a global scale some of these genres it needs to be represented it needs to it really does and it's embarrassing that you're reducing global talent even you know um reggae artists you know mm, um jamaica yeah, look at our yeah. influence don't don't dance or reggae the early 2000s don't chat to me bro like we influence but i swear there are reggae categories though there are but like i've seen reggae artists nominated in the global as well i'm like make it make sense like the thing is like you it, it just it just it's so confusing and not respective enough to certain genres that are outside of the quote-unquote traditional genres and you know what i mean when i say that um it's mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. very lazy to me global to world isn't going to make anyone 
wet their pants. It's like literally, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make as you said. <laughs> it you doesn't just make sense. A great example of why it doesn't make sense because then quote unquote you could technically put the western ice in the global category as you said a Katy Perry for instance and then they could just perpetuate that hierarchy I mean she get nominated but no 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 I know I know but like they could perpetuate the hierarchy again do you know what I mean so it's just very contradictory to me looking from the outside in but again this is why choices we all have choices and my choice is that I am divested from the Grammys in terms of like I can't. Like, obviously, November 24th, I'm going to see who's nominated, but my care and in terms of how I view them has changed dramatically as listen, long-term listeners of the podcast will know. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's lazy. That is the one word I have. It it's is, lazy. It's very it's lazy. lazy. Um, but yeah, that's those are my thoughts real quick. Um, I have a quick point on this because I can understand why they've done it. Um, it's very similar to how... Um, you can't call people who aren't white non-white like the idea that white is the centralized mm-hmm. term mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. personally think when it comes to mm. the is, is on point is on fire it? <laughs> but it's true like i i personally think we need to decentralize the grammys because they either need to admit it's just for americans and friends like it's the it's the pussycat dolls it's the pussycat dolls of award shows wow like, don't do that you know you, you know no, but Don't it's true. You know, they're, sh- they're Nicole and then everyone else is the rest wow. of them. Like, that that's is, kind of wow. how it is. Wow. But am I lying, though? I mean, uh, let's at least say girls are loud or something. Girls are fucking loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we had um we had Joey, Joey Akan on, on here, like, a few weeks ago talking about how um it's not for us. And when he said us, obviously he was referring to Nigerians, but it's true for it's the true. rest of the world as well. For the rest of the world, the Grammy isn't for them. Like, it's it's something that people aim for because it has this idea that, oh, it's American. And obviously the American music industry was the most prominent music industry in the world for the longest time, um, birthing so many music greats. Um, and obviously British people get under the radar of that because we're like brother and sister of America and all those types of things. So you will get Adele nominated in Best New Album and all those types of things. But then you've got a question like Chopin just asked. If it's global music, why isn't Britain in that? Like why? why? Well, Americans. <laughs> well, no, like I can understand from the American perspective, they're not thinking, okay, like this doesn't make sense. But why is why is Adele getting nominated in Best New Album? Like, why Why is she getting album of the year? Like, think about the racial element to that, what you're actually saying. It's like, 10, I know I know they mean world, but it kind of projects as, like, <laughs> universe in a world. Like, other planets can now come in and work and get an award now at the Grammy. My guy said other planets. Yeah, but it's true, because like you said, it doesn't make sense. Katy Perry is, is a global artist. Like she they need to say with their chest, it's best non-Western music. That's what, that's what they need to say with yeah. their chest. For real, like, the in like chest, they need to it's, colon- it's colonialism. Best non-Western like, album. That's what, they, that's what they mean. It's literally colonialism. Like, it's it's not even best um, Western because, um, non-Western because, like, even with American exceptionalism, like, and all of this, the hierarchical elements of America, kind of like what Eden was hinting at, like, they perceive themselves as the orators of music. They are the people who tell you what it is, who makes what, 
when it's accepted look at how they treated k-pop even though i have my issues with k-pop but like the way they treated k-pop the way they treated musica rabana now they're treating the way they're treating afrobeats like the way they treat it as the other until it's too so big you can't ignore it and even k-pop there's still that lack of understanding culturally there's still those articles that get the cultural context wrong i'm looking at you rolling stone i'm looking at you um new york times you know there is literally a hierarchy and they see themselves as we are the betrayers of music we are this we are that and it's like you don't respect any other music creators even the british relationship this is one of a few you know obviously there, there are a consistent lineage of winners but there's st we're still not on par um, and I'm, do you know what? I'm not going to center the Britishness in this because they have a stake in colonialism too. But I'm just saying, like the head. anyone that's not America, <laughs> yeah, the head. They literally like they the started this boss, shit. Like they, the the world boss. You know what I mean? But in terms of um, who's like in this context, the Grammy context, it's definitely very much America, Britain and others you know what i mean like even france the representation there like there's there's loads of music markets in europe which generate a lot of money which don't get the visibility on these award shows if you ain't english speaking i was, and just, if you I was just about to say that if you ain't english speaking number one and you ain't western it's it's really quiet for you because french let's talk about france let's talk about france <laughs> Let's talk about, wait, let's talk about France real quick. Yes. And let's talk about, yes. let's talk about how yes. black artists, black artists, black artists in France are leading the sales. Let's talk about it. There's an article on. on The Guardian. I forgot the name. I will get it before the end of the episode where the French artists, the black French artists, I'm going to be very specific, the, the black French hip hop, R&B, the Francophone artists are leading the musical renaissance in that country and, in and let me and tell you well. let me tell you let me tell you about the let German me tell you about Sweden, the award yes yes germany too yeah my cousin lived there 100 percent. but let me tell you about the award shows and none of them getting nominated in france let alone on the grammy Come so on. this is a very on. sticky slope and this is a very intentional slope let me tell you that and there's people in the music industry in france who have had private conversations with the award bodies which perpetuate this they are intentionally removing them from awards so no one can come on this podcast and tell me or no one can come in the comments and tell me that the award shows and the grammys aren't being intentional because if in france they're being intentional in you know uncle sam land the United States, they are being intentional 110%. They are not only complicit, but actively ignoring these artists and their due diligence and the respect that they deserve, okay? France is dominated by hip-hop and R&B acts right now. Now is in 2020, and they are getting ignored, silenced, you know? But do you know, do you know the thing that annoys me about this? It's the fact, I hate when people say to me, that um oh why are artists making music political the whole industry is political like it's a it's founded it, on it, politics it is it's literally about okay i want my country's artists to be nominated in the grammys i don't want them to be included in the global category put them inside of the album of the year category and stuff like that it's all about perception and how thank people you are seen. thank so you i just think it's 
I, I get annoyed at those conversations because there are layers to everything mm-hmm. that needs to be mm-hmm. investigated. Like mm-hmm. there was a reason that during the Black Lives Matter conversation, <clears throat> there was um, there were two black women who started the what's it called? Stop the music. Was that the hashtag? The, the uh, black square one the show is it the show oh, the show must go on the show must be paused the show must, the show must be paused exactly. that's it yeah, yeah, yeah but it was two black women that started that you gotta ask yourself <laughs> why they felt the need to start that um in the music industry like there is politics within the music industry and there always exactly. has been. so music and entertainment has always always covertly placed r- racial difference at the center yep always. including france because i want to say with the france situation most of the people who actually make like French rap go to prison because it's rebellious yeah. music. That's what the article yeah. was pretty much about. Because I remember which one Nick is talking about. Like in France, I've got the I've got the name. Just real quick before you go on, yeah. You're but not in, in France, rap's racial divide yeah. in France. Sorry, go on. Like if you read that article, it's just basically about how all of these artists make amazing music, but they don't chart because it's rebellious music. They talk about the fact that most um, French black people are disenfranchised from the very beginning. Very similar to the UK. Um, but from what I've read, it's much harsher over there. I don't know a lot about it. I'll be open about that. But yeah, it's music is political. Decisions like this are political because they affect the rest of the world. Getting a Grammy propels people's careers. And if if not everyone has access to that, you need to ask, what does that mean? So can I just can I just say they they do actually chart it's there's a line in the article that says French rappers were responsible for 16 of the 19 number one singles in France and topped the album chart for 31 weeks. The thing is, the award shows are blocking them out from even being nominated, let alone winning. And as Eden just said, they are sent to prison for their lyrics. And for this is a very um, historical issue as well, because France perceives itself as like a classical um very classical kind of um old school kind of um nation and that is why they ignore the rap artists because they are contravening that and going against that norm and creating a new history of france yeah so that specifically paris and that is why they are going against that grain and trying to block them and erase them from the canon of french history yeah um but just wanted to put that context in there cool so we are now going to move into the interview section of the show and we have the amazing Shanice Sharway on the show today. Um, I wanted to check if it was Shanice or if you wanted to be called Shen, because I realized you signed all your emails with Shen. So which one do you prefer? I prefer Shen just because okay. people say Shanice, I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay, cool. Because <laughs> I've got this thing where I can't call people by their nickname until they've given me permission to. Because like, you kept replying Shen and I was like, okay, should I put Shen or should I put, put Shanice? Shanice? So I just put Shanice okay. anyway. But I'm glad I can call you Shen now. But um, just to formally introduce you. So you are the artist relations manager at YouTube Music. Um, you were formerly at Sony um, slash Columbia Records. And you've worked with the likes of Skepta, Getz, Tiwa Savage and um, Steph London and also been featured in Complex UK and Guap UK's The Blacklist 2020. So you've had a kind of great year, it seems, um, or at least last year was a great year for you as well. So, yeah, how has that been? It's been um, so this year, obviously, has been a bit weird because of COVID. Yeah. But I feel like I've been really blessed. Um, so obviously, I started my role at YouTube last february which it seems like that was like five years ago and i was converted into a full-time employee in july um so i was wow cool so this year has just been like lessons on blessings and yeah just been great i mean getting a kind of um promotion of some sort or at least being accepted on a full-time contract during a pandemic 
must have been like a breath of relief for you i can't imagine how much stress it might have been like worrying about when the contract would end and stuff yeah it was quite it was quite a weird one because i was kind of doing the role a little bit before um yeah. I, I have a great team at youtube so they always allowed me to kind of spread my wings and kind of get involved in different projects so when yeah. i kind of converted it was like okay i can do this and like i kind of know what i'm doing but it was just like trying to do like interview prep while doing the job kind of at the same yeah. time which was quite weird but it was also a good lesson to kind of make me feel like I actually deserve to get the role once I actually did the interviews oh okay that makes a lot of sense um I wanted to kind of talk about you and your journey a bit because um I realized like from a slightly privileged position in my industry so just to talk about um where I come from I work in publishing not directly in music um and recently we had like a traineeship where people came on and started asking me questions about how I got into the industry, been in it for about four years or so. And I realized like that type of information is so important for someone who wants to get into any industry. So would you mind talking about how you got into the music industry? What was your journey and how has it been so far? Yeah, no, definitely. Like since I was young, I always wanted to get into the music industry, but I couldn't sing, I couldn't rap. So I was like, what do like people do behind the scenes? And I still yeah. didn't really know until I kind of got into uni and I thought, actually, this is something I really want to do and I need to kind of do a little bit more research on the different roles. Um, yeah. So when I was at uni, I did my dissertation on um, how hip hop has influenced the, um, influenced the, uh, what's the right, right word to say? Like influenced the representation of black women in the US, just in terms okay. of like, how they see black women. And then I was like, okay, this will help me kind of figure out what I want to do, whether it's like doing journalism or actually working at a record label. So I did that. And then I actually did a internship or like a work experience at this place called Go Think Big, um, where they kind of look at your skills and say, oh, you should do this, or this will be really helpful for you. So I ended up being um, a media uh, account executive at um, Zenith. So I was doing media planning and I was like, this is not what I want to do. I still want to do music. Mm-hmm. And then one of my best friends actually sent me um, the Sony internship uh, application. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting this. And he's like, no, you should just do it. So okay. I'm fine, I'll do it. And then I ended up getting interviews and ended up getting placed at Columbia Records um, after like eight interviews. Cause I had to interview at different labels for different roles. Um, but in the end, I ended up being at Columbia Records. So that's how I kind of got into it. Okay. And can you just talk about why you thought you wouldn't get the Sony internship what what factors do you think would stop you from getting it I just thought you would have to either know someone in the industry whether it's a family member know someone that's a label head or know someone who works in press or marketing like I didn't because I had no experience and no family members did I just assumed that there's no way they're going to pick me to without no knowledge of like the music industry really to kind of work one of the biggest record labels yeah there's, there's no way and then it kind of happened. It was lucky that some of my skills that I learned in my media planning job, I kind of bring into music in terms of like organization skills, like juggling loads of things at the same time. But to me, I was just a bit like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then it kind of just started progressing from there. Okay, cool. Um, Nick and Shopee, did you have anything you wanted to ask? Um, Nick, I have one. Shopee, go for it. Um, so this wasn't my original first question for you, but um, I was going to ask. So, um, how did your experience at Columbia working in their marketing department inform what you're doing now, and why did you decide to not continue down that road and go to 
another label as opposed to going to YouTube. So why do you want to make that shift? So my role at Columbia was actually really, really good. I learned so much. I was able to work on an array of artists from like George Ezra to like 21 Savage to Rick Ross. Um, But marketing was really good. And I, I don't know, to be honest, I could go back into that in a couple of years or something. But I was lucky enough to kind of be put forward for the role at YouTube. So it wasn't something that I even knew was something I wanted to do. But now I'm in that role, I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And this is what I was probably thinking I wanted to do at uni, but didn't know it existed. Um, <clears throat> so it's quite interesting because you can go into a role and not know if it's for you. And then when you get into it, you're like, this is where, where I'm getting my stride. And this is exactly what I kind of feel my purpose is now. Um, and marketing was good. I, I won't lie, I really, really enjoyed it. But I, I guess a lot of people do move around to different labels. And... I don't know if I would ever have done that. I think I would have probably just tried to stay at Columbia and grow if this role didn't come up. Mm. And just to add on to that, so for those who don't know, what does the artist relations manager role entail and what is your day-to-day? Okay, so my day-to-day is always different. It's so hard when people are like, oh, what do you go on a day-to-day? It's like every day is really, really different. But my role was kind of managing the relationships between YouTube and artists and managers so, like, giving them information about the new products that we're launching, um, hearing about new music and the releases and seeing how we can help them amplify it across, like, YouTube and make sure it's, like, playlisted and whatnot. So, it's every day is different, but a lot of it is relationship-based um, and, like, making sure that artists know exactly what's going on and that we're there kind of to support them. Um, so, that's kind of my day-to-day, but every day can be different. I can be on five calls a day. I can be making decks. I can be kind of working on bigger projects so it kind of depends um but no day is the same which is I guess that's why I really love my job because something come out of nowhere and it could be amazing nice Nick um I wanted to ask you about two different things and like if you had a hand in it or how you think they've helped benefit the UK music business as it pertains to black culture and black people um so one of them was the pivot from youtube into sponsored documentaries seen a lot from grm daily and more to come when i spoke to posty about this um he definitely said there's more in the works if it makes sense for them and you guys um and then the other thing i wanted to talk about was your obviously i think it existed a bit before you joined but the um the GRMs rated awards as well and like streaming it on YouTube like this year specifically wanted to ask more so about like COVID and did you have a partnership uh a hand in that partnership there this year specifically um to just talk to me about those two things and how you think it's helping the UK industry as well yeah okay cool great questions um obviously Posty's amazing at what he does and he like knows exactly how to push his brand and what makes sense for his audience so um I was lucky enough to kind of play a very small part in um the rated awards this year um so this year's been a bit weird because of well actually it's been really great because everyone's kind of at home now we found like different ways to kind of live stream certain events for example the rated awards was obviously probably would have happened in person because everyone's at home um it was actually live streamed on youtube and posty had the great idea of like making some of the performances into music videos sort of so like the Kano which Kano one which was incredible 
Um, so I guess like with YouTube originals as well with GRM, that there more and more of these things are happening and it's kind of giving people a different stance of like you don't just have to kind of do music videos, there's other things to kind of go in depth with. And I guess it's allowing people to really understand like channels like GRM and what they do behind the scenes rather than they just see music videos being uploaded. There's so much more that goes into it. So um that is something that um I think is really, really cool. Okay. We've got some other like YouTube originals is just is a great great thing at YouTube, I guess, because people can kind of come with different ideas um and what they think would be really cool. So um shout out to Posty on GRM because he's really, really been pushing that and obviously been helping to push the culture. Yeah, it was a great show as well, I must say. Like that was a really, really good show. The Raid Awards was incredible. Um yeah especially in the climate they did it in as well like it was really good um so i've got a question more to do with you again and how you interact with both music and tech um so in your complex interview or where you were featured in complex you you mentioned the power of diversity um, specifically women of color in the music industry and i was wondering if you would be able to help us kind of um be in the shoes of a black woman in both tech and music like what is that environment like great, great as a black question. woman i guess um i've been i guess i've been in tech for maybe about a year and a half with my role it's a little bit different because it's still quite music industry led if that makes sense so yeah it's people based yeah it's people based so a lot yeah. of people that I interact with was people that i would interact with at labels yeah and managers so it's like i'm a little bit removed from that but it's like with my role, my team have been incredible, like getting me into the ropes of like how tech works on that side. I mean, yeah. little training to understand those things. And I guess being a black woman, um, I haven't really seen like, oh, actually I can't do this because I'm black or I feel like there's different things that I have to kind of push further. If anything, uh, I've been able to kind of grow a lot quicker than I probably think I would have at a label. Yeah. being honest and I guess tech has also pushed me out of my comfort zone because there's so much behind like everything that moves at Google and YouTube so like even with like artist channels there's so much in the back end that you don't even realize mm. you actually sit in that role so to me it's quite interesting but there's I would say it hasn't like me being a black woman hasn't made me feel like oh I haven't been able to pursue certain things in my role or I've been perceived any different so mm-hmm. I think I've been quite lucky at um YouTube to be honest yeah I'm quite I'm quite interested because um some people like myself work in quite a conservative environment where we kind of have to bring a work version of ourselves um and be completely different to how we are with say <clears throat> like our friends and family and just everyone else um and most of the black women that I've spoken to in my industry um they say this thing about not being able to bring their full selves to work um uh, maybe because they feel like they can't like the you know the aggressive black woman stereotype and kind of um not being able to voice opinions or be um straight to the point and blunt if necessary um so I was just a bit curious about your experience because I know the music industry um is slightly different as it's kind of like um it's it's a it's an industry that kind of celebrates black culture, but obviously there are issues behind the scenes as well. Um, but do you feel like you can bring your full self to work? Is that something you feel like you can do? Yeah, definitely. It's quite funny because when I first started, I was like, I'm quite loud and I'm quite bubbly and quite social. 
And I'm, okay. do I need to turn this, like tone this down because I might like Google one of like the biggest companies in the world? I was like, do I need to tone this down? And I was like, actually, I won't probably survive in this role if yeah. I'm not my true self. And I can't not be myself because it's it's something that's so important to me. And obviously my relationships, everyone knows me as me. So like coming over from the music industry into the tech world, but still kind of be part of the music industry has allowed me to kind of, be myself and it's like just moving from one place to the other and I also feel like me being able to be myself has allowed me to grow quite quickly as well and be like this is how I work and this is how I feel things feel to be doing certain things and me like obviously being a black woman I change my hair all the time and (laughs) I've never gone to work and been like oh you change your hair again or oh you like do you know what you look different no one's ever kind of given me those comments which is great it's more just like that Shen, that's how they know I kind of roll. So yeah, I've been, I think I've been quite blessed, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I guess the thing that um, you'd probably try to avoid is being the token, I assume, like in the, in the environment where, like, say there's a black thing going on, because we've spoken about this before. Um, I think I think Shopee hinted at it before, but um, the idea that, oh, this is kind of a black thing, so let's go to the black colleague and just assume they know everything about it, but you might not be qualified in the area. Um, but yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that insight and everything. Um, Shopee, did you have any questions? So I want to um, continue this thread about um, being a black woman in music. And I was doing some research on you and I saw that you're one of the ambassadors for Women in Control, which um, strives to empower women at large in creative industries. So I just wanted to like kind of get more detail on like what were the, if you wanted to share, obviously, what were the particular trials and obstacles you had to overcome during your time in the industry thus far? And did you feel you had like the infrastructure and resources to navigate those? That is such a don't alert the stands up question. <laughs> that's such a, yeah, that's, that's a great question. That is a really, really good question. Okay, I need to think about this one. <laughs> <laughs> No, because I really want people to like, you know, obviously like I, what I love about doing these interviews, I want people to know out there to know what your job is, but I want to know, because obviously we have a lot of black listeners. I want them to know what it's like to be a black person because I am too, Nick is too, and we don't really have enough black women speaking out. So, you know, I want to make sure we make the most of that. Yeah. No, I, I definitely hear you. I think obviously just being black full stop, you have to work a lot harder, whether you feel like, you don't you definitely do or if you feel like you're not even working harder you definitely am just to kind of be at the level playing field Mm, mm. like being at Columbia it was it was a really great experience because it kind of took me out of my comfort zone and knowing that I'm not just going to get things Um, Mm. it might have been because I maybe wasn't working hard enough or that wasn't something that I was supposed to do but I've always been like this since I was younger though like I've always said I have to work harder than everybody else because you just feel like you I always feel like I want things to be give, not given to me I want to like earn things yeah I've always been like okay if there's for example at Columbia if there was an artist that I really wanted to work on I was like I have to prove myself to say that I know this art inside out and I will know how to market that properly rather than being like oh it should just be given to me so I guess there's different things I've always had quite great people around me since mm-hmm. been in the music industry and I think because they've been able to navigate they've helped me navigate without having to go through all these things that I know a lot of other black women have to 
Um, mm, mm. It's quite interesting. I guess we've had like protectors in the industry and be like, this is how you need to do things. And I've been able to have like a lot of like mentors just kind of guiding me and showing me how to do things. And I- that's great. That's great. Which has been really, really nice. But also there's always been those struggles where you know, oh, actually, I probably didn't get that because of X or like, do you know what I mean? So there's certain things where you're like, okay, that probably doesn't make sense. But, you know, I'm going to keep striving to keep growing. Um, I always try, always try not to always look at, oh, I didn't get that because I'm black or whatever. It's like some things are just probably not meant for you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I navigate through life. Not everything is everything I want, I'm going to get. So... I think that's why I kind of try not always think, oh, is it because I'm black or is it, is there something in me being black? I'm not able to get certain things. So mm. uh, it's quite interesting. Like, that's a really good question. Mm. Um, and I, I'm glad that you had that kind of mentors because I honestly can, I mean, I had mentors, but I definitely don't think, I think in, because I work in PR, um, I definitely think there's a lack of black mentors in the music industry. I do think that there are people that, you know, have been very instrumental in my development and such as yours. That's why I think it's great what you're doing because even you just speaking now, and I'm sure people will reach out to you and ask for advice. That's kind of what we need more in our community. Like we need more like, yes, you can do this, but work like this, do this, do that, don't do that. That's what we need more of. So I'm happy to hear that you had that experience when you were coming up. No, I appreciate that. And I think also I've been lucky to have a lot of, like my friends and peers work closely with me if that makes sense so if if we do have things that are going on we kind of help each other navigate like one of my best friends abby um she still works at columbia like she was i love abby oh abby's so great like she literally got me through so much just because like sometimes you know there's like so much happening and you're like oh my god i just need i need some support and Abby was always there, and she is because obviously she's still my best friend. But like having those peers around you sometimes kind of makes you feel like, okay, it's not because I'm not skilled enough. Like, so you just need to talk to someone about things and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what we need more of. And to- even that is true, just someone to talk to freely. Yeah. Yeah, safe spaces. 100%. I feel like it's everyone, not even just black women, everyone should have that confidant that you can just sit there and talk about things and say, how should I handle this? Or like, there's things that come in sometimes and you're just like, what? And you, know, you just mm-hmm. don't want to react to certain things. You're like, actually need another perspective. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just need that. And it, mm-hmm. I think that's what's really, mm-hmm. really, really helped me, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very important to have like an information-based version of nepotism. Like not necessarily inviting someone in because we know them or like say they are a friend or family or something like that but being able to mentor people and say all right this is what I'm currently going through um and this is how I handled it like it may look like this to you obviously not being in the industry but it is very different when you're in the moment so yeah like what Chope said I think it is very important what you're doing um and the work you're doing with black women as well um Nick, I think it was your go next. Um, yeah, uh, I wanted to talk to you about um, the rise of this year specifically. I, I wanted to ask if it's because we're in COVID or is it you or is it a combination of your teams? Um, but I've just seen black people really be showing out on these billboards. I've seen it in Shepherd's <laughs> Bush. I've seen Bree Runway. I've seen George. I've seen, I've seen George. I've seen a lot of people getting their shine this year and I'm really happy to see the black people getting these big billboards 
Um, I wanted to ask if that's you, because if it is, which I have a feeling you have some hand in it, but it would be great um, that you're doing your, as, as always, it's always black women, always. Um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you that question. Uh, that's really true. I'm happy that people are seeing the billboards because um, I think they're great. And I guess sometimes when you're in certain roles, you don't actually realise the impact of being, and as an artist, seeing your face on like a big screen, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. um, it's like, a, it's me, but also the combination of my team. Like when I say to you guys, the team at YouTube is so fantastic and they've allowed me to kind of have my say in things as well, whether it's like a new artist or like putting other artists on and be like, we need to kind of keep an eye on this guy or this girl or whatever. And certain artists are just great anyways. So it's not even like, mm-hmm. oh, because they're black, we should put them on a billboard or like doing quotas. It's like, if the music's popping and we have a space in the billboard, then we're going to put them on, if that makes sense. Like the marketing team's great. My, the team that I'm in is called the partnerships team. Yes. So we have the artist relations team and the label relations team. So I'm on the artist side. And then um, my colleagues, um, Corbin, James, Lizzie, there, and Shireen, who's just started on the label team. So we have like such a great connection in terms of mm. what we think we should be like pushing and being able to put on billboards. So it's a combination of all of us. And obviously I'm, I'm a big fan of black music. And I guess that that's another reason why, why I've been able to like thrive in my role. Um and being able to kind of push certain artists. So it's just been great. I think it's a, a combination of all of us. I can't take all the credit for that. Um, no, but it's it's great to hear you're a part of it. Do you know what? Something that I've thought for years is that the UK just doesn't have that huge Times Square moment, the billboards and stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that um, I've wanted to see it for a while. Where, somewhere where I, I see that kind of essence is Apple's domination near Box Park, Shoreditch, always something there. Um, and it's incredible. I think you guys um, and Amazon Music specifically this year have built that resurgence for me in seeing the plus four, four billboards in Houston or you guys in near Shepherd's Bush or um, just everywhere. Like Spotify's doing a few things as well. I think that is really helping artists to kind of get that moment and just build their profile essentially and just build their kind of brand recognition for consumers who are passing by as well so yeah well done for your part in that as well so yeah I just really wanted to hone in on that because it's it's something that should be appreciated especially for the upcoming acts Mm. that is really nice and I appreciate that and I'll definitely let the team know it's nice to kind of see people actually taking it in I guess when you're working every day it's like okay this billboard's done and we need to get the next one done and you kind of probably don't get to that's so real. That is so yeah. real. You don't really take in the actual external effects of what you're mm-hmm. doing. You're just thinking 100%. of the day to day, send that email, send that, do mm. this, do that meeting. It's it's true. It's really true. It's really like really re- rewarding. And I've seen mm. that for myself recently this year. Like, oh wow, like things that I'm doing are actually affecting some sort of difference. And now it's the same for you. Now, before you go, Eden, I have a similar question, not similar question, but a similar line of questioning. So obviously, I know um, know last year YouTube hosted their first excellence brunch last year, which is kind of like what I would say, like it was the UK's version of the Rock Nation brunch. (laughs) 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 And of course, they've had the recent YouTube Black Initiative. So like following on from what Nick has said. So now that you're working there, how do you find a YouTuber working to really elevate music from Black British artists, but also people working behind the scenes like yourself, like people working in the marketing and the partnerships and the YouTube. How do you find that YouTube are working to really make those impacts? So what's funny is the branch actually happened in February this year. 
And every time I talk about it, I'm like, it only happened like seven or eight months ago. Was that this year? Yeah, it did happen <laughs> oh, this wow. year. Wow. It did. It did. Yeah. I thought that was last year, you know, confidently. I was like, yeah, that was last year. It's been a long year. It's been, Corona's made this year very long. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it happened this year. It's been great because we know, like, obviously, popular music right now is black music. And I guess no one can really hide from me. Like, oh, actually, I don't think it is. It is. And Black British yeah. culture is continuing to grow and be so impactful across the board. Um, not just even in music, but like other streams of entertainment. So we've been able to kind of do things that kind of made a bit of an, Im- well, an impact. So the brunch was something amazing that I was able to kind of lead on from the UK. Um, Come on, you better lead. Yes. <laughs> Um, with Tumar, who is, I don't know if you guys know Tumar, but he is one of the most fantastic people. Like, I've learned so much from him. And obviously, he's in the US, so we obviously can't even, like, meet up and have, like, proper meetings and stuff. But he is so great, and I've been able to learn so much about him. Because, like, he's been in, like, black culture in the US for years and years and years and years and years. Like, he's probably a legend. So we were able to kind of work on that quite closely together, um, which was great. And we're continuing to do more and more for, like, Black British culture. There's something I'm working on at the moment, which I can't say yet. But when I can, I'll definitely let you guys know. But we're continuing to kind of try and push Black British culture and kind of show that we're here to kind of move the culture and help it and help amplify Mm -hmm. that and not just come in and out of it. Like, oh, it's Black History Month. Okay, cool, we're done. Like... That is one thing that I've kind of pushed saying we can't just do that. It has to be throughout the year. I yes. can't lie. Some yes. brands need to listen to that. I can't yes. even lie. Yeah. And some companies 100%. need to learn that. <laughs> 100%. Some companies need it's to not learn every that. Day, it's not every day, like two word email or three word email. No signature, no nothing. Can you do feature? Like, 100%. Like, it can't 100%. be that all the time. It has to be an investment in the, the culture. And I'm glad then, you guys are doing that. Thank you. There needs to be an understanding that black culture is pervasive 24 7 it's not yeah. for a few months mm. a year for a few weeks a year it's pervasive 24 7 like look at what you're doing look at what nick is doing look at what so many other people are doing right now in, especially in britain and i think nick is, there truly is like a renaissance happening in black britain right now in front of house and back of house a hundred percent and i think this year will this year will change this year sorry this decade will change the shape of that and i think something that i would say with YouTube is I haven't seen that performativeness. Like obviously the YouTube black has been a staple, but there have been pop-up activations throughout the years um, before COVID and stuff that have shown that YouTube have their tone and touch within the mm. culture. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, and mm. they, they actually care about artists that are moving and shaping things. Um, I definitely, I definitely remember seeing talks, activations, supporting of um, launches of albums, partnerships. YouTube are really creative in how they kind of support and go- even Google at large, like how they um, champion black voices mm. and um, minority voices. You know, there's still more to be done, but I see you guys. And I, again, I said them before, but Amazon are beginning to get yes. into that activation yes. stage um, of Beyond Black History Month, which is exciting for the UK as well. Super exciting. Yeah, because it's not just Black History Month, it's Jamaican Independence Day, Nigerian Independence Day, like, it's, it's a marketing, it's a it's a notification in a marketing calendar, and I think we want much more than that, so I'm glad you guys are investing, and have the actual people behind the scenes who yes, know about the, the culture as well. Yes, yeah. yes, who truly have their ears to the ground, and that's, mm-hmm. and this is why I feel like it's just so important that, you know, 
we really do need to have more black people working behind the scenes in yeah. music. Cause she said, I don't know about you, but where I am, I'm the only one. So there's that. <laughs> so, you know, let's change that. No, I hear you. And I think that is definitely something that's going to come. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. really excited about. And I guess why I love working at YouTube so much is that I can come with ideas and like, Mum's gonna be like, oh, actually no, let's park it. So actually no, let's explore it and let's see how it goes. And like mm-hmm. the project that I'm working on now, which I will hopefully be able to tell you guys soon, is that I didn't want it to happen black and hit happen in Black History Month, and the team didn't flutter and be like, no, 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 it has to be in Black History Month. It was like, no, mm-hmm. whenever you want it to happen. Yeah. Thank you. This is what I'm saying. That's... Like the open mindedness just reflects YouTube's but... mindset. And I can tell they're like, "What? But Black History got to, got to capitalize, don't we? No. But it's also common sense. It's just like look at this the is data. what I'm saying. If there's a, if there's a, a particular demographic that are active in a certain period, if it's not Black History Month, okay, let's do it in a different month. I don't understand the thinking behind it. I personally don't like invest particularly just in black history month like products and stuff in black history month i am buying black constantly throughout the entire year there is a there is a purchasing power behind us as well so i do think it's important across the calendar there are things happening as well so yeah it's it's what companies should do it's what they should do market analysis a simple market analysis will tell you that your black consumers don't consume performative shit like they consume stuff that's authentic and genuine and for that particular not just that particular moment in time but done intentionally for intentional reasons do you know what i mean so shanice i'm really glad that this is coming after black we're tired basically Mm. over here we are tired like Mm of the performative every year shit which is why i took a step back this year like it's like i'm not trying to invest just in the month because i talk about blackness 24 7 365 days a year so people are black platforms to represent that 100 percent 100 percent no i mean that is yeah <laughs> and the ironic thing about this conversation is today is black pound day uh, so that is, it is, that yeah. is very interesting. And obviously, <laughs> I'm not. That's a great thing. Like Black Pound Day is an amazing thing, and it just proves that we have a purchasing power that we are able to invest in ourselves every so often and throughout the year as well. So yeah, shout out to anyone who's doing something for Black Pound Day. Um, I want to, I want, yeah, I want to continue along the kind of role of um, Shanice and kind of like um her role and the thing that she does and kind of just the industry itself so yeah obviously you've come from Columbia and Sony um I wanted to kind of understand like if you're able to take us through the noticeable differences between working for a label and working for a music streaming platform Mm. Mm. so I think one of the biggest things is that I can listen to everything okay <laughs> at, at, at a label obviously you have like a, a roster of people that yeah. you need to like be pushing the columbia records artists or whatever and because i'm a music <laughs> fan through and through it's nice for me to be able to like support everyone rather than <clears throat> oh i have to do marketing for x artists that are signed to columbia not even sony like signed to columbia so i think that's one of the biggest things and obviously working at a streaming streaming platform is so different so like mm. it's like okay it's not just the normal okay here's a marketing plan we have to kind of think outside the box a little bit more like what cool stuff can we do to kind of amplify amplify artists and like in terms of like live streams as well like live streams are like such a big thing that we've been doing a lot more just um 
having a big machine behind me, I think, is quite crazy. I think that's mm. one of the biggest things. Is like YouTube Music. I always say to people, I actually really enjoy the YouTube Music app, but I think people still don't understand it that well. But like, mm. it's the only app that you can switch between video and audio seamlessly. Like, I don't know if you guys have used it. Have you? No, not yet. Okay, you should you should really use it. Like, I think you can probably do a free trial, but it's it's really good. And like having those sort of things and being able to like really work with an app is really cool. Um, yeah. And then being able to talk to all ad managers or talk to all labels and everything, I find is really really cool. I think that's probably the biggest difference. And also being in such a big machine, I'm working with so many different teams, whether it's the product yeah. team, whether it's the programming team, whether it's the marketing team, where is it, whether it's the like YouTube space team, we kind of, I've kind of been exposed to a lot more people and understanding what different teams do and how the big machine of YouTube and Google works. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. Um, and I, I don't know if I said this, but I also do UX design as well, UI design. So like looking at apps and everything is something that I would love like to do. So looking at YouTube, I'm going to definitely maybe write a review or something just talking about what how it works and the features that you took, you were speaking about as well. Um, going off of my question, because I know it's shop is time, but I just want to kind of continue on that. No, go thought. on. Go on. Um, when you're talking about um, the streaming platforms versus, say, a label, for example, we've seen the likes of, well, there's been rumors of the likes of some artists signing two streaming platforms in deals. Like, for example, um, there was a rumor of Chance the Rapper and Apple Music. Not saying that's true, but there was a rumor. Um, Drake signing um, deals where his album comes out first on Apple Music. Um Obviously, you, I'm not saying confirm this, but do you see that as the future of, for artists rather than signing to record labels? Do you think they'll be signing to um, music streaming platforms? That's it's quite interesting because um, as I obviously work at a streaming platform, but working at a label, I know how important it is as well. Like I know there's a lot of independent artists and mm-hmm. um, they like signing through there, but like the machine of a label is crazy like you have one person in your press one person in your marketing one person in your e and um a and r you've got a finance person you've got a lawyer like i feel like i can't confirm that because i'm not actually sure so it's quite yeah, interesting um but i don't know it might be the future um mm. I, i'm seeing be, just being at youtube for what a year and a half i've seen how much it's changing yeah and i wouldn't be shocked if in like five years or ten years that other other DSPs are doing that and being like, yeah. okay, we're gonna sign, for example, like you said, Drake through uh, I don't know, like Apple Music or something. But yeah. they have the deal and then it comes out on other streaming platforms. I guess it's similar to when like Jay Z put um four 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 Yes. Yeah. Out on Tidal first. Obviously he owns it, but like put on Tidal first and then and everyone also, yeah. can have it after. Yeah. Absolutely right. And that's also reminded me of the whole U2 era where they had that album on on um, Apple oh and my you couldn't gosh, delete it yo, and it was just on Netflix. Like, that drove me, like, that was driving me crazy. I Literally, every time I went on the app, I heard U2. It worked. <laughs> it, it worked in terms of marketing, but I don't listen to U2, so I was just getting annoyed every time I turn my phone on. So... But it's like, a beautiful day. Yeah, exactly. That That is what I hear. <laughs> that is exactly what I hear. Um, 
Shanice, what, what do you me. listen to? What music do you listen to? No, that's the last question, Eden. That's the no, la- I thought the last question is the thing we usually ask. Yeah, who I... do you stand for? That's the, It's the same thing. Wait, okay, cool. We'll leave... <laughs> okay. We'll leave... <laughs> okay, cool. So, Shoffer, do you want to ask your question next then? So, following on from Eden's point, so obviously YouTube, you know, as you know, it's a streaming service. So, as someone who works there, but also just a general consumer and lover of music... What do you think have been the positive impacts that have come from the adoption of streaming into music? And if you're allowed, if you feel comfortable, what have been the negative impacts? I think being able, like streaming platforms, just being able to literally pick up your phone and listen to any track, like type it in and then listen to it. I think that has been positive and also being able to kind of understand more about the user. Mm, mm. we're so like all our dogs are probably really fast paced sometimes I'm like I've had so many emails but I just want to kind of know what new music's out and what's going on if I pick up YouTube music and have they have my like my mix it's easy for me to be like oh okay these are the tracks are coming out or the release playlist that comes out on a Friday being able to have those things just there I mm. think it's really really helped us all and I guess that whole thing of not having to download so much music um has been pretty good um I guess it's hard because I know some people don't like streaming platforms and still do like I think my brother still uses his iTunes to be honest like and downloads music that way but I think there's been a lot of positives and being able to have like bespoke playlists but like playlists that people just go to all the time I think it's it's allowing people to kind of discover new music a lot quicker I think that's probably one of the key things um, I wanted to ask you about something you spoke about on Clubhouse yesterday. We were in the same chat on the panel thing in the UK and in that UK music chat um chat that happened yesterday. Um, and you mentioned how um building your own individual channel is super key for artists and how there's a simple tool to do it. Not simple, but like there's an extensive tool on how to build your platform and build your audience and uh the algorithm knowing that like that channel has activity so then it jumps up into the recommended and it just keeps getting recommended to allow um artists to get watched more um and i wanted to ask in this era of the pandemic have you found a lot more artists coming to you guys for assistance and support in building their channels and their audiences um just because i know that some artists don't know how to use youtube channels they rely on the grm dailies as we spoke about yesterday and all that kind of stuff um, but yeah, just talk to me about the transition in relationships with the artists throughout the pandemic and what they've asked you for in terms of resources and tools. Oh, that's um, a good question. And what you've helped in. This is this is another Donal at like the Stands question as well. Uh, no, what's been great is that um, since I guess one of the good things that have come out of like this pandemic is artists really looking at their YouTube channels. Um, yeah. I always say to people like, your YouTube channel is like your TV channel, like. Mm. I know a lot of artists are quite worried about putting content that's not premium music videos but I know for a fact that I don't just buy into the artists I kind of buy into the brand of the artist so like knowing their personality know what they stand for is really key as well so whether you I don't know a lot of people might want to like cooking some people might like gaming so I've seen a lot more artists kind of going into different fields and not just sticking to I'm gonna upload music videos the more you kind of the more content you put up the more people are going to know about you and they're going to kind of like fall into like a, a hole of like, oh, these are all the stuff that ex-artists are doing and oh, they like this or they like that. So I guess 
people actually understanding how their YouTube channel works and what they can do to kind of get people to kind of see what they're doing. And I guess if people are just releasing music, well, music videos like once every three months or once a month, then you're not going to really be able to engage your audience that much. Um, so it's just kind of making sure that artists know that there's so many different things that like we've got. There's a thing called like the community tab on YouTube. Yes. And that comes up on yeah. your feed when you like open your YouTube. Like if you're posting, like I always say to artists, like if you're posting a picture on Instagram, post on the community tab because that's where you can put images and like being able to engage your fans that are actually on your YouTube channel to listen to music. I guess with Instagram, some people will be there because they like pictures. But if you actually go on YouTube, you want to go and listen to music or want to kind of watch videos of that artist. So I always say to them, use it as another, another social platform. Don't use it as like, oh, I need to put my video on there and then that's it. Use it like you would use any of your other socials because that's how fans are going to find you and that's how people are going to discover you across the globe. So I always say to artists, like, use it as much as you can. Like, people don't, people are not sitting there saying you need to have, like, 4K cooking lessons on your YouTube channel. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's like, people just want to know a little bit um, about yourself like Lewis Capaldi was really good at doing this he used to just literally I guess he used to just download his Instagram videos yeah. and then put onto his YouTube channel and he used to get so many views because mm-hmm. people want to see his personality and then want to watch his music video after and like making sure you're linking your play like making playlists on YouTube on your channel with all your videos so that if people yeah. are in a hole they'll go straight back to your music video and then they'll subscribe so people was like oh you you should be telling people to like click on the click on the bell to subscribe to my channel so they can get alerts when you're doing things on there. And that's how you kind of grow your channel. Do you know what's so funny, um, Shanice? Like this links back to some conversations I've had this year and what I've noticed and what I am noticing and what I'll caveat into in a minute is the, is the men and what they can do. But what I've noticed is that the women are doing great. Someone who's um, doing great at like a plethora of video types is like Avorian Dawn. When I spoke to her, she was like talking about her brand and execution and her subscribers are huge right now because she obviously started there in that place and transitioned into music. Another one across in the States is Sweetie, incredible brand activation throughout this um, quarantine period. Absolutely phenomenal. She is absolutely, um, pun intended, tapped into like what she's doing. Um, <laughs> Megan the Stallion's Hot Girl series or um, that she did last year. And then I'm, I saw Brie One Way do an interview with obviously her best friend, Leomi, which was incredible as well in <clears> terms <throat> of getting people to know a bit more about her. So I think the women are definitely locked in into their brands and how to utilize that a bit more i think you said about gaming um and i think that's an area (laughs) where men can kind of if it's authentic to their brand should jump in i even tweeted about this like a couple days ago like gaming should definitely be the gateway especially with um so many apps right now Mm -hmm. being dedicated Mm -hmm. to that Mm -hmm. twitch um gunner Mm -hmm. gunner partnered with twitch earlier this year which was cool um Stormzy's obviously done some stuff Travis, Travis exactly but I think um, on the I UK th- side Shay Lingard did something as well Shay yeah he's an anime Shay and his anime connection connections really dope and what he's doing um there as well but yeah I think great point Shanice um that that's super cool in terms of growing your channel and stuff yeah I also wanted to shout out Ari Lennox as well whilst you were giving people their flowers because I see that she's started a um a YouTube channel. She had one before, but she started a series where she's like going to black businesses and trying food and all of these types of things. So I definitely see what you mean about um, 
the relationship kind of changing with audiences on YouTube now, um, which is something I've seen as well and appreciated as well. Um, I want to kind of go back to Bones, and I feel like I'm ans- I'm asking a very Angela Yee type of question. Oh um, no, 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 it's it's no, don't worry, it's not, it's not, it's not like that. <laughs> it's not like that. Can it's we ask like, a Nadeska question? No, 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 no. It's about like work-life balance. So obviously, we're going back to the conversation about um, someone looking from the outside, maybe wants to do your job in another in- industry or maybe in the same industry. What's the real side of it? Do you have downtime? Do you have the opportunity to just Woo! relax and enjoy your time? So you know what's so funny is that people always say to me, how, how am I out all the time after work? <laughs> That's kind of a rude question as well. <laughs> Get home. We don't want you out <laughs> If you follow me on Instagram, all you know is that I'll exercise in the morning. <laughs> do my work like I'm really dedicated because I'm like my mental health is so important so yeah I yeah. make sure I yeah. exercise probably try and do like five times a week and then do like meditation before I start work like yeah. I have to have at least an hour before work to myself yeah um and then after work I'll either be meeting friends for dinner or when we were able to go to gigs go to gigs but I like Google really pushed work-life balance like so it's great so like when I when I need to go home I can go home or if I need to go meet someone after work I can do that so yeah they, they really encourage that and um, which is so great like I'm quite bad at it because sometimes I'm like oh I just want to do another email and then my team will probably be like no no it's fine it can wait till tomorrow but like the work-life balance at Google's great so I think I've been quite lucky I think when I was at a label it was quite tough because your evenings turn into kind of work because you're like, okay, I'm at a gig now. And then by the yeah. time the gig is finished. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have to go home to sleep. And then it's the same thing. Because sometimes you could do that three or four times a week. And then you're like, yeah. okay, where's my, where's my actual downtime? But I've made it very, very important. And said, no, I need to have like an hour, at least before, to um, have me time. And after work, make sure if it's, whether it's watching TV or reading or like, go on Twitter for half an hour, whatever. I make sure I have downtime. If not, I would just burn out. Yeah. Yeah. And do I you think... feel that your empl- employers are receptive to that? Oh, 100%. Oh, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking from personal. <laughs> okay. Now, a podcast, we need to talk about you. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's important. Like, work, we'll talk off like, the air. Work-life balance is like important. And I think... Taking holiday yeah. is fine, but in some industries, it's a, bit, it's a bit hard to disconnect. Like, I work in the publishing industry, and whenever I see a book, I think about how it's made. I wonder how much it costs to put together. I think about the acquisition of the author and all these types of things. Obviously, working in streaming, something that you use every single day, does your mind get the opportunity to relax? Like, I feel like you might still be analyzing the things that you're using, or maybe just kind of figuring out how it could be better. Like, do you truly get time to relax? That is... Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, wow, like, Eden. That I probably don't, but I think because I'm so immersed into the culture and, like, I love music and stuff, yeah. I feel like I probably don't switch off, which is yeah. quite yeah. bad. I probably think I'm switching off, but I'm probably just consuming a lot more than I should be because I'm like, oh, let me yeah. go on Instagram. Let me check what's going on. Oh, let me go on Twitter. Let me check what's going on. Oh, let me go on YouTube and just... Da-da-da-da. It's like, oh, I think... <laughs> I'm having downtime, but I'm probably not. 
Yeah. That's me. That is me right there. Yeah. Because, I mean, working for like a massive company like Google is great and everything. Um, but because it's everywhere, <laughs> it's literally nonstop usage of it as well. Um, it's very similar to like I used to work at Apple before I worked at, in publishing. And being in an environment where you see your workplace everywhere like it is the world it is it's a lot but i mean if you find a way to deal with it like you said you work out in the mornings and you do all of the kind of going out to eat and stuff like that i'm sure you have a nice work-life balance and i think that's great um did anyone else have any more questions i actually have um, two more I questions do. before I, we get to yeah. the, the final one go on um can i oh shop do you want to go first uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just to keep the order gone so this is more of a fun one so what have been your personal favorite projects and initiatives that you've worked on since joining YouTube and why? Great. I think the excellence bunch was definitely one. Um, I think that was just great to see the whole culture come together and have artists and managers and industry people and influencers and YouTubers in one room without making it feel like, oh, the art needs to be on one side and everyone else needs to be on the other. Everyone really like it kind of, connected and just had a great time and it was so nice because the culture has like this culture has grown so much and it's just nice to kind of see people celebrating it and I guess with this year as well like Black Lives Matter has been quite been quite a lot so that was actually nice to kind of see us celebrate being black and black British culture so that was definitely one um god so much has happened I think one of the the, one of the good things that happened as well I guess in my first couple of months I was able to do an event with Skepta um so he did a live stream at the YouTube space um and did a Q&A with Tiffany Calver and that was awesome because I was like oh okay these are really cool stuff that we kind of do at YouTube um what else has happened there's been so much we um had a talking about Black History Month I know but um, last year we did a like end of year, well, end of Black History Month party and WizKid actually came and performed. Wow. Mm, that's dope. It was, it was just, it was so surreal because it was just like, okay, WizKid's here definitely just dancing on the table and singing and it was just so great. So we've had like some really cool, cool moments. And last year we did like this panel called Black Female and Instrumental. Uh, where we sat down with um, Vanessa, who's amazing, and David T was Savage's manager. Um, mm-hmm. We had Hamza, who's so incredible. We had Brenya, who's amazing as well. We had Yomi, and we also had mm-hmm. um, another lady from um, Universal, um, which was great. So we kind of sat down and had those talks and like really open and honest conversations about being being a black woman in the music industry. And it was just great to see that YouTube allowed us to do like things like that. So we've had a few moments that I've been like, wow, this is great. And we've been able to work with loads and loads of different artists from like D-Block to H to Tima Savage. Like we've just been able to work with so many. And I think I can't really pinpoint like three or four, but because I've just had so many great moments since I've started. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Um, one of my questions, then we'll go back to shopping, then back to me, um, is just in terms of you being at a very visual first platform, um, I wanted to ask you just because I've seen some incredible releases over this quarantine period in terms of visuals. I wanted to talk to you about what you've really seen on the visual side um, that's really just made you think, wow, this is this is some incredible bodies of work. And I want to keep it UK specific. Okay. Hmm. 
Can you say it one more time? Yeah. So just some of the best visuals that you've seen from the UK this year um, via YouTube. Uh, do you mean live streams or just like music videos? It could be a mix of both, but definitely feature, if you can, some music videos too. Okay, cool. So I really lost Destiny video. I think that's great. I think that was mm-hmm. really, really cool. Um Oh, oh my god there's been so much music you know when you go blank there's been so much music this year i'm just like yeah what else um i love Heddy one's princess cuts video mm-hmm. it's just i think it's just so much fun you know you're just like you just need i love Heddy dancing to be fair yes it's hilarious. <laughs> anytime Heddy's dancing it makes me happy shabo um video is great yeah yeah she's she's someone i'm just like I can't wait to see her growth because she's just so great. So, so great. We won Rose videos are always great. Um, yes. Nines and NSG. Yes. Yes. I love how they yes. had chunks at the beginning of that. I love that song. Spot on. Yeah. So, so good. And obviously, like, Rated Awards was fantastic. I think that was great. Something for all of us to kind of watch and see together. Um, what else? God, there's been so much this year. I think those ones, like, who else? And now I'm missing people, and I'm just like, I guess the Brit stage performance. Um, I guess mm. that was on TV, but it wasn't actually on YouTube. Um, That's fine. Yeah, I think those ones, like, to be fair. Yeah, you shouted out a lot of great releases as well, like great visual visual moments as well. Um, definitely agree, Princess Cuts was <laughs> such a fun visual, such a fun visual back to watch, and Brie One Way someone who really impressed me this year as well. Obviously, we can't talk about Hedy without saying shout out to Shoppe. Anyway, um, Shoppe, <laughs> your question? Yes, shout out to Shoppe. PR by Shoppe. Oh, God. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, um, so my last question before we get into like the real last question. Um, so I this was like, just I just kind of threw this in there, but you know, you've got to ask these things. So how closely do you get to work with Mr. Liar Cohen? Like, obviously he's one of the music industry's big dogs. So like, have you crossed paths with him? Have you been able to work with him in any way? How has that been? Or is it just, he's like a far, a far away figure in the in the YouTube <laughs> company? No, so I've met Leo quite a few times now. He, if I, if I'm being serious, Leo's probably someone that's really supported me from day one. And he probably saw my potential before I kind of, started to figure it out like he's just been so so great and like it's weird I'm just like oh my god it's Leo Curran but he's literally empowered me from the day I've started oh that's really nice yeah because he's in the US as well to me I was like he's never gonna know my name but he ha- he does and he actually knows me personally which is great and he just he really pushes us and he's really he's such a great boss um and yeah so yeah no 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 he actually knows me, which is quite funny, which I find still very weird, but he's great. And he's really pushed me and empowered me to kind of be who I should be at YouTube, um, mm. so, which is great. What a guy to have in your corner. I know, right? It's it's so weird. I'm like, oh my God, Leo Curran, but... <laughs> 100%. All right, Nicholas? Um, I just wanted to talk to you about the last question, just because we've, we've kind of gone over this a little bit, but not really tackled it directly. Um, in as we turn the decade and it's 2020 and we're focused on like the things that you've done, like the brunch that you did with YouTube earlier this year 
and us talking about the trajectory of the UK kind of black music industry. I wanted to get your thoughts on where you think we're at and where you think we're headed um, as a UK music black community. I think that we're in a really, really good place. And I feel like we're all very supportive of each other. And I think it's great to see that every week there's bangs after bangers. Like, mm. it's like, okay, there's another track. Oh, well, there's another good track. Like, I don't feel like, obviously, there's, we've got still so much growing. And I feel like what's nice is that we don't have to look. I remember when I was younger, I would be like, oh, my God, I need to move to the US to be such <laughs> Yeah. Like, I know a lot of artists probably when they were younger thought, I have to go to the US to be successful. But now we kind of measure our own success and we kind of be like, do you know what this works this doesn't work and like I think all of us there's still a lot more to to do I guess like we were talking about earlier a lot more black people need to be at the forefront of these conversations so I feel like at that once we kind of get that in place properly um I know like after the show must be paused a lot of conversations are now happening which is great so I think we still got a little bit more to do but we're really really doing well at the moment I think yeah all right. So I think the last question, if we're all done. No, of course, this show is called Don't Alert the Stands. So Shane, we would like to know, who do you stand for? So who essentially are your favourite artists? Of- okay, so I would say artists, because the thing is I listen to everything. So I won't say favourite, but artists that I would kind of be listening to and keep my eye on um, is obviously like Parsalu, who I think is incredible. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Berwin. Yes, yes, I have. Yes, I literally just checked him out a few days ago. Actually, he's really cool, and he has great visuals. Baron. <coughs> Do you say Baron? Baron. No, I don't. I haven't heard that. Check him out. He's got great. He's got great videos. Yeah, he's. I think it's going to be a big year for him next year. Um, obviously, Georgia Smith, Griff. I think is great. Shabo, Miss yeah. Banks, Brenya. Um, Nines, obviously, Heady. NSG, uh, Tiana Mage 9. Yeah. Oh, yes. Tiana Mage 9 deserves everything. She deserves the world. Literally. Guys, can I ask you, how did you spell that Bowen guy? B-E-R-W-Y-N. Thank you. No, all good. He's he. I'm telling you, next year he's going to have a massive year. Like, he's great. Um, God, there's so, so, so many. Is, is, it, is it fair to say that you stand the British music scene? <laughs> I'm here for it. I th- yeah, because I think um, loads of the artists you spoke about are people who are definitely excelling, release great music. Um, and like you said, in the future, they will be global stars. Um, so I'm excited for the music as well. And we've already said it, but thank you for all the work you're doing, um, not just for black women, but also the black community as well. Um, and just continuing to make sure that we're heard and seen and um, supported because I think a lot of um, talent kind of um, enjoy when someone understands their plight rather than like having to work with someone who doesn't understand it. So thank you very much for all you're doing. Um, if you don't mind, I would love to give you a podcast recommendation for yourself. Um, there is a um, female-led podcast, so a black woman-led, black women-led podcast called Rhyme She Podcast. Um, and I yes. think you might enjoy that. It's it's a great podcast. Um, they talk about music. I think some of them are in the music industry as well. Um, and any any listeners who are listening to this as well, check out that podcast because 
like it is important that we do listen to black women and we hear their voices um it's great that we have Shanice on the show but we are still black men so other opinions as well would be great so thank you very much for coming on um if there's nothing else you wanted to maybe plug or say um I think we'll call it an episode oh I just want to say thank you guys so so much and I really appreciate all the like the messages I get from people and being like oh you're doing so much for the culture because I feel like I've just kind of started if that makes sense (laughs) yeah yeah so nice to kind of see there's been an impact even if it's small for the culture which makes me really really happy and obviously just makes me want to do more and continue to strive so i appreciate you guys even letting me come in here and it's been so so good to talk to you lot and i'll definitely be checking out that podcast oh thank you and yeah you're right because because when like you know the saying not all skin folk are kin folk and all stuff Oof. like that when you actually see black oh, people no. in certain positions well it's true like when you see black people in positions doing things for black people helping black people um obviously you have other clients who aren't black as well or you might work with people who aren't black but um being in that position and actually doing the work it is generally really appreciated appreciated we need people like you we need people like Chope, um nick and people in the industries doing the work so thank you and we will end it on that note so thank you guys for listening to the episode um this is don't let the stands you can find us on all music platforms uh, sorry podcast platforms so apple Podcasts, spotify um all of the like at d-a-t-s-p-o-d follow us on social media um same at d-a-t-s-p-o-d and thank you very again thank you again sorry to shanice for joining us today cool peace bye